You're listening to episode 120 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who are recording podcasts together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. I saw that in the new Avengers trailer during that boring-ass Super Bowl, and I gotta say, I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I really like this new Avengers lineup. Hagar the Horrible, Popeye, Heathcliff, Dagwood Bumstead, <laughs> Charlie Brown. Oh, Thanos is going down this time. <laughs> and, and it's fun because like, I actually have a connection to Popeye. I eat my spinach. Me too, and I fuck olive oil. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! I was I was wondering what weird turn that was gonna take. <laughs> there so it is. like, cut, just cut to just Phil humping a broomstick. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! I would, well, can olive oil be used as a lubricant? Because that's that's where my mind. I wouldn't went. recommend it. Uh, only if you're Italian. <laughs> I just I just assumed he was fucking a bottle. <laughs> oh wait, Marco, do you have do you have experience with that? Marco oh, was absolutely yeah. cooking. Oh, I thought not fucking. Yeah, it. he's cooking. He's cooking. You know what I'm saying, hey, Sean? Well, that's what Marco sounds like. We all know that Marco has once skipped the show for sex. True. So this is this is documented. Maybe that he's was when it. the olive oil came into play. It's canon. <laughs> it's canon. I was that was that before or after Crisis? Oh, that was after. No, before. No, no, that was before. That was definitely before Crisis. That was one of the lead-ins <laughs> to the Crisis, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> the anti-monitor was like, I've had enough of this shit. <laughs> I, I think the question is, is Popeye Marco the one, one of the ones that survived? I think it's like very much like a... Um, you know, like that post-Marvel situation where it's like, oh, we couldn't decide between which Marco we wanted, so we're just going to bring them both into the same universe, you know? And then Earth 2 gets folded. Yeah, wait, I think it's the one where you got retconned for Marmaduke. I, I don't know, Phil. If anybody's the Marmaduke of this podcast, it's you. <laughs> rut row, I don't know what that means. I've never read Marmaduke. <laughs> Me neither. Well, the entire premise is that they got this big, clumsy dog who's a fucking giant pain in the ass, but they love him anyway. Well, oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, Phil, I gotta ask, what was the origin of that whole gimmick? Because I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, well, it was in the Avengers trailer, wasn't it? No, fool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sean, did you not watch the most boring football game in history? Hell no. Yeah, lucky you. And to be honest, it doesn't even make sense because Robin Williams has been dead for like five years now. Oh, oh, oh man. <laughs> Who else is gonna play Popeye? That's a whole downer, man. Look, I just, yeah. dude, I was riding high off that opening bit, and Kale just fucking kicked me in the chest. If you're gonna, if you're gonna make a joke, you've got to back it up with logic. Logic dictates you cannot reboot Popeye. Dude, it's we're ready to recast. No, I'm ready to recast all of you. Enough of this crap, Kale. You ruined it. Now I'm depressed. So instead of having fun with my <laughs> friends, I have to do business. And I have to tell you guys where you can find this podcast. Well, wait, so, wait, before you do no, that. No, you was... stop. <laughs> Enough from you. Get out of here, Marmaduke. Yeah. And don't come back. Nobody wants you around here. We need a community newspaper to just bat fill away, <laughs> like just whack them. You know, <laughs> Whatever the next time is that we do the show in person, I'm coming with a newspaper for your ass, Phil. <laughs> My poor snout. That's hot. My All poor right. snoot. Now, if you want to find the show, somehow you're listening and don't know how to find us, uh, we're on iTunes, SoundCloud, 
all those amazing places. We are on social media at the Comics Pals. You can write to us at the Comics Pals at gmail.com. And of course, if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you very much. You can leave us a like, drop us a comment, share this video with your friends, and subscribe to our channel. All of those things are free to do, and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. I want to let you guys know about some book clubs that we do have out and some other cool stuff like that. Uh, we've got the Hellboy Book Club that's out now, the Captain Marvel Book Club that's going to drop at the end of the month. And uh, what else have we done? We did some cool ones oh, right, last year. That's not a book club. <laughs> Phil, jeez, oh, you're zero for two. Uh, <laughs> hey, wait, that's an idea, though. Should we do some of those WWE comics as a book club? Hell no. Probably not. I wouldn't even <laughs> read a WWE comic book. <laughs> Honestly, I would do that as a book club just to hear Sean shit on it. You know how bad? I'd like to like wrestling. I don't want to not like wrestling. <laughs> Listen, that's fair. I, I just try, I'm just trying to relate. You can't. Yeah, um, you're trying to fit in. You can't. So, speaking of wrestling, Phil and I did a couple of wrestling specials. <laughs> All right. Uh, we did a Royal Rumble prediction show and a Royal Rumble review. Also, NXT review is packaged in that. If you want to hear how right or wrong Phil and I were about this year's Royal Rumble and dunk on us for when we were wrong, uh, you can go listen to both of those products if you're a wrestling fan. And if you're oh, not... Oh, yeah! Dig it! <sighs> All right, cool. Uh, <laughs> so, moving on, I want to I, I want to talk a little bit about Twitter, and I want to talk about Gail Simone on Twitter because Gail Simone, she is she's active. I fucking yes. I, I followed her for a week and I had to unfollow her because my whole timeline was Gail Simone. Yeah, she's uh, she is prolific at tweeting. Um, but this week, she actually, you know, we had a little fun. We, being Comics Twitter, we're going to talk about how we had fun this week, and we're going to talk about how we really didn't have fun this week a little bit later. But starting with the fun, Gail Simone introduced a sort of uh, a, a question to the corporate entities of fast food this week when she asked a simple question towards Wendy's. Uh, which was, do you prefer the Marvel or DC universe? Simple question. Wendy's answered Marvel. They actually responded. The collective entity known as Wendy's prefers Marvel comics. <laughs> Whatever 20-year-old college intern, <laughs> yeah. they got chained to a desk. <laughs> <laughs> and this, I guess, emboldened uh, Gail Simone to ask more comic book, or rather, um, corporate entities of fast food chains, how they felt. And we got answers from so, so many of these. Uh, I'm going to run through the relevant ones. Wait, can we guess? Oh, sure. Okay, that's actually a lot of fun. Cool. All right, so I'll throw them to you and you guys can guess. Uh, what's a good one? Uh, mind you, some of them don't answer Marvel or DC. Some of them give answers that you wouldn't expect. So. Yeah, Lil, Lil Debbie gave like a... a prolific speech about how the world is just so torn torn apart these days we have to come together and be fans so i'm gonna throw you guys a softball six flags dc dc yeah correct all right uh how about uh let's see what's a good one how about 
Oh, lame. How about Steak Shack? <laughs> Shake Shack? Steak Shack? Steak Steak Shack. Oh, Steak Shack. Uh, I don't know what steak shack. Is. Maybe is it's it Steak and Shake. Well, they have Steak and Shake and Steak Shack lifted at, listed. I've never as heard of Steak Shack. Let's go with Shake uh, Shack. Let's assume it's a typo. Okay. Okay. Marvel. Shake Shack. Yeah, Marvel. Really? No. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna say DC. Marvel. <gasps> Booyah! Boom! Very nice. Two, for two bitch. How about Hooters? <laughs> Hooters. Oh, that's Marco. a go. <laughs> Sorry. Marco's such a thirsty little bitch. <laughs> um, Is this still Marvel DC? It's Marvel or DC for for this, yeah. Okay, okay. Okay, I was gonna say, did they say like grim fairy tales or something? I'm trying to think of what comic has the most big titted women. See that for that that <laughs> specific reason, I say I say DC. <laughs> I think I think I think if you think about it, like I I feel like DC's characters are more salacious. I, yeah, I think they've had they've had more of a history of being drawn sexily. All right, I'm, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna keep with Cal on this one. I agree, DC. I do DC. Marvel. Oh, oh. fuck! As soon as Marco answered, I should have flipped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's do one more. What's a good one? Let's do. Uh, so, so what I'm learning here is that every corporate entity that doesn't directly own DC characters is voting for Marvel. <laughs> that's right. How about Hot Pockets? Everybody's favorite. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go DC, because I don't learn. DC, I don't learn. <laughs> I'm going to guess, is this, is this one of the ones that's not Marvel or DC? I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> you answered it last time, I had to take my shot. Wait, that's true, maybe it doesn't then. Damn, uh, I locked my answer in. Image. Hot Pockets is there like, yo, we know our audience, we're going to be hipsters and pick Image. Oof, that's a good point. Or like Valiant, because they're a pocket of the comic book industry. Uh, that's some horse joke shit. this week, folks. All right, let's get out of here. <laughs> Kale's right. Oh, fuck! Are you kidding yeah. me? <laughs> what? Damn. Damn, Kale's the champ. He wins. Uh, uh, let's let's do just one. one I just want to point one. out, Phil super loses because he made no guess. Damn it, at Pete! All. I was gonna go there. Damn it! I'm sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to throw Phil under the bus because I, I already know what Phil's gonna say. Friggin' hell! All right. Um... <laughs> Oh, are you ready for Phil to jump on his soapbox? Corporate just yes. don't have opinions. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Iron Man's yes. a bad guy. Let's, we get it. Let's yeah. give. Let's let Phil do that after this last one. Arizona Ice Tea. Ooh, that's a good one. Is this Marvel or DC? They gave a unique answer, but it involves Marvel and DC. Okay, I'm gonna guess it's an imprint of DC. Oh, and I'm an uh, maybe Vertigo. I do like that. I like that answer a lot, Pete. Yeah, I'm with Pete, DC. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Marvel. Okay, so you're both right. Because Arizona Ice-T chose Marvel movies, but DC characters. Boo! Okay. I get that. Yeah. That's a totally fine pick, Marco. What are you like? <laughs> <laughs> He's not nah. messing with that. Nah, no. Just because of Swamp Thing being in Marvel, uh, <laughs> he, he, can't, he can't have Yo, that. that'd be crazy. He'd be like OP. I mean, he is a Marvel character. No, he's not. Yeah, he's fucking man thing, idiot. No, he's not. They're all from the heap. I feel like if I would have kept insisting that, that Swamp Thing was a Marvel character, Marco might have second guessed it. And that's what I wanted to continue. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> My life is a lie? <laughs> so, 
before we move on from this subject, I do have to give Phil his soapbox. You've been suspiciously I mean, you don't absent. Have to. I know, but you know he is a member of this podcast for the time being. So uh, it's just like, can we can we lower? Let's can we mute him for the rest of us and let him? Yeah, listeners, they'll just be like a nice droning tone. Yes, put in some put in like some some like calming waves or something. <laughs> some smooth jazz. Uh, at the very least, I hope they paid these interns that responded to these tweets. No, they don't. Honestly, terms. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if whoever runs Wendy's Twitter gets paid like a million dollars a year because that's what they're worth. They do an excellent job. My favorite thing about this was a bunch of comics fans were just like, "Oh, you're just picking what's popular. Like, what are even Marvel books that you like?" And Wendy's comes back with like a bunch of picks, and then was also like named. Oh, also, Image is dope. I like Saga and Rat Queens. It's just like, all right, Wendy's. Yeah, I, I I did enjoy quite a bit how people started testing Wendy's knowledge for for comic books. <laughs> they just came at them hard. Typical <laughs> typical male comic book consumer. They can't have that girl like come in with that knowledge, man. <laughs> She's oh redhead God. too. He, a, a cartoon redhead. You'd think the right? Marvel fans would be all over it. <laughs> cut, to, oh. cut to Wendy's walking into her LCS, and then you know they're just like, "Oh, did your boyfriend get you into comics?" <laughs> I'm tapping out. My brain's dead. Yeah, you've always been brain dead. Whoa! <laughs> Don't clap back at me, bitch. <laughs> I like where this Boy's is going. hot today. I got a nice baconator in me, so I'm full of energy. Brought to you by Wendy's. <laughs> All right, so let's let's jump into the palace pulls then, and let's. Uh... Over Wendy's pulls this week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely getting me a son of Baconator. <laughs> oh, what? A son of. All right, and I'm gonna wash it down with a nice cold frosty TM. Let's let's start with uh, Marco and go with Murder Falcon number five. Yo, that is a dope fucking name. <laughs> Murder Falcon. I, Murder Falcon. The first two issues uh, I read. This is uh, Daniel Warren Johnson. I plugged this Ooh. like maybe a couple a couple episodes ago. Uh, he is an amazing artist, and this book is basically a metal guitarist who controls a like. Uh, I do remember you talking about like this. a being that comes out of his like his guitar. Uh, so so cool. I'm waiting for this to be collected in a trade. Uh, because just based off the first two issues, like solid. Yeah, I'm very excited about this. So Kale chose Thrilling Adventure Hour, Martian Manhunt. Nice. So this is I've talked about the Thrilling Adventure Hour uh, a few times on this on this show. Um, at one point, it was a podcast that was a, a stage reading of uh, of uh, uh, just the the comical actions of of uh, of these characters. But this is uh, a graphic novel adaptation of one of their characters, uh, Sparks Nevada, and uh, he's the the Marshal on Mars, and uh, it's basically a western set on Mars. Um, Ah, man, I I cannot accurately depict the love I have for this series. Um, I'm so excited for there to be a Sparks Nevada graphic novel out in the world. And it's by uh, illustrated by Jay Bone, who did the, um, if I'm not mistaken, did the Bone series, which is just huge. Did he? It would be real dumb if he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you also chose Wonder Twins number one. You know, this... <laughs> 
<laughs> this um, Wonder Wonder Comics imprint is bringing back some really amazing stuff, and I cannot believe that the Wonder Twins are getting a revival uh, by the guy who did uh, the Flintstones. Nice. Uh, Mark Russell. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot he was writing this. He also did a book. I don't know. Just a little uh, funky Phil flash fact. Ooh. He also, he also <laughs> Mark Russell also did a book called God is Disappointed in You. And, <laughs> uh, right. Accurate. Right, right. Accurate. Um, but it's also um, illustrated by uh, Stephen Byrne, um, who is uh, amazing. I've been following his work for a while as well. Um, so Bone was actually written illustrated by Jeff Smith. Jay Bone did um, Brave and Bold and Super Friends. Wild. Just wild. You idiot. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> you look like a fucking asshole now. <laughs> Damn. That's that's this show. I don't... <laughs> not, nothing, nothing that new. All right. Uh, then you also chose Mr. Miracle the Trade, which is finally coming out. Finally, yeah. I'll finally get to read this damn book everybody's talking about. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, uh, go ahead. Do you want to speak on it a little? Uh, it's written by Tom King, Mr. Odds, Mr. Miracle. Very that's good. True. That's I've I I have gone to enormous lengths to know nothing about this book. All right. Well, it ends. I know. I know. There's a baby in it. And I'm mad about the fact that I know that. That's a miracle that that happened. That baby actually ends up being probably, dark side. Probably fucking dark side or something. <laughs> Mr. Miracle. That the baby is the real Mr. Miracle. Oh, it's, it's a book about the miracle of life. Yes. Speaking of Phil, uh, you chose Batman the Caped Crusader trade paperback volume two. Hmm. Well, I'm glad that you brought that up because... It speaks to my affinity to older Batman books. I didn't know they were releasing uh, trade paperbacks of this. Uh, I looked up the first one, and uh, it also looks pretty good. It's just kind of a compilation of some of the best 80s Batman books, and some of the talent that's on here is like Marv Wolfman, Jim Aparo, Michael Blair, uh, Michael Bear, and John Byrne. Um, I like shit like this a lot. This is a good period of Batman books. Uh, better bet your ass. I'm gonna pick this up. Cool, man. Let me know how it is. I'll bet both cheeks. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna bet half a cheek. I'm gonna bet no cheek. You never know what <laughs> Phil's actually gonna do. Four cheeks out of me, baby. Yeah, I need. Whoa, how do you have four <laughs> cheeks? Oh, two on the bottom and two up top. <laughs> he does have an ass face. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I screw a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, and mine is Magic Order number six. This book is a book that uh, we we reviewed the first issue on here. Have you been keeping up with that? I have, and dude, ah, I really like that book. I gotta read that. It's incredible. It's I, I think it's Mark Millar's best work. Really? Um, in a long time, a really really long. I buy time. that man. I thought those first what two issues we read for the show or whatever they were fucking fire. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Um. It's it's actually gone down roads that I didn't expect to, which is really cool. And this was something we praised on the episode, but I want to reiterate it. The depiction of magic in this book is easily one of the best I've ever seen because it's unique. It's really, really unique and different than what we typically get. There there haven't been – I don't think there's been an instance of you know just a, a, a lightning bolt or anything like that 
it's all sort of unique ways of using magic, which I really enjoy. I I just thought like that the the setting was so cool too because it's like a gritty like noir crime family kind of story about magic and it's like when do you get something like that you know like I feel like stories about magic are so like put in a box you know swords and sorcery like it's 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 a really cool angle yeah and uh, Olivier Coipel his art has been really 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 fantastic it's. It's worth buying this book for that by itself. Uh, really, he's one of the best artists in the industry, and this is a great team up. So, very well worth book picking up. You excited for it to come to Netflix? Yes, yes, so excited. Wait, as a show? It's going to. Yeah, that was like, yeah, all of the books that he's making with Netflix are going to come as a show. Oh, that was shit. like the deal, wasn't it? Yeah, or a movie, but one of those two, yeah. Oh, true, okay. true, yeah, I forgot that there was the movie element. But yeah, that was like the whole Millar world partnership was that netflix would help publish the comics and then retain the rights for them for adaptions oh sick uh and if you want to go watch uh listen to our review you can go listen to the comics pals episode 86 slam dunk bitch that that was that long ago holy shit time flies (laughs) when you're sort of having fun (laughs) time flies when you're slowly fucking dying shit all right, Sponsored all right. by Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brought to you by Nihilist Arby's. Speaking of which, uh, this is just a quick funny uh, thing that happened in that whole Twitter, you know, uh, deal. <laughs> Jim Lee and Dan Didio, you know, they posted a response to Wendy's uh, choosing Marvel over DC. And it was just a simple Instagram post of them. Uh, having a meeting at the DC offices, eating both Burger King and McDonald's. <laughs> nice. I got. I got. I got no, no. Real talk. That's the shit I can get in on. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> that's the shit I can get in on. Now we're talking, yeah. bitch. The comics wars and the fast food wars have have uh, crossed over here. So let's talk about the Super Bowl. Nah. Ba 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 bum bum bum. I heard it sucked. Um, it sure it did. did. There were no eagles. Phil, you only had to watch half of it. I don't even want to hear. I had to sit through that whole fucking game. You know what the score? There was one touchdown in the whole game. When I I saw a clip, I I I don't know, update. I still live in Europe. Uh, <laughs> I saw I saw I saw a clip the next morning. In the fourth quarter, with seven minutes left, it was still three to three. Guys, I didn't actually want to talk about the Super Bowl. I just want to wait, say one thing here. No! Man, on one point. There were no. no eagles in it. How else was it going to be good? Phil, you suck. Listen, you're just, all of you are just haters of the Patriots. Now, moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Wait, wait, Sean. I just got a text message Come from on. my girlfriend, and she goes, why are you talking about football? Stick to what you know. Oh, <laughs> See? There you go. So we will stick to what we know. We're going to talk about the best part of the Super Bowl, which was the 30-second trailer that we got for Avengers Endgame. That's the best part of the Super Bowl? Yes. It wasn't Maroon 5? It it definitely was. Uh, Definitely was not Maroon Maroon 5. We're going to talk about this, uh, this Avengers trailer here. It's short, and you would think that there's not a lot to it. And normally that's probably what we would say. But when you're talking about the culmination of, you know, years upon years of filmmaking uh, and how 
close to the vest, Marvel has played everything, every single piece of footage that you see from these trailers um, is relevant. So just before we dissect it on the surface, did you guys have any thoughts about this trailer? Yeah, I would tell you it was short and there wasn't a lot to it. <laughs> you suck. You make me want to vomit sometimes. Um, yeah, no, I uh, I thought it was I thought it was pretty solid. Like I liked that it was like short and sweet, you know. But like I felt like they covered a lot of ground. I think the funniest thing was um, because the game was so boring. I was spending a lot of time on Twitter, and I saw a lot of people just being like, "Stop making Captain America cry!" in all these trailers. <laughs> <laughs> He's depressed. I mean, damn. I can't believe after uh, after all the hype, his beard got they shaved it. A bunch of idiots. Well, you know, listen. You don't shave your beard? Yeah, you gotta keep his look fresh, man. I mean, not all the way. You want to see him with, like, a knot, like a a goatee or something? goatee. (laughs) (laughs) He would look like Steve Rogers' evil twin. Like, trim it, sure. But, I mean, all the way gone? It needed to Steve Rogers' Rogers' evil twin, you mean Tony Stark? (laughs) (laughs) Solid. Yeah, I like uh, it. No, Kale, it's because shaving your beard is cleansing, and he, he grew that beard because it was a trauma beard, and now he's trying to recover from the trauma. <laughs> trauma beard. All his friends are dead. What are you talking about? <laughs> this movie's about them trying to get him back. He's he's back. He's shaving his beard. I don't know. That's he needs a bigger trauma beard. I can't believe this is more conversation out of this fucking trailer than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> have so, you been on this show yeah, so shit insane. maybe maybe sean's on to something i yes. i always am so I, yeah this trailer was cool thank you marco there you go man my no, right hand man it was kind of boring i didn't You're i didn't enjoy boring it. what the hell's wrong with you listen <laughs> so i really like this trailer i love the fact that they keep teasing us and showing us absolutely nothing. I mean, there's a shot of City Field. You know, like, what is that? Uh, but all of these... The Avengers go to a baseball game. <laughs> all <laughs> of these things sort of... Uh, they they hint towards stuff, but they don't say anything, and I really like that um, because so many trailers, you know, they just tell you everything that's going to happen. We've talked about that many times. Um I really like the shots of the city and stuff like that just looking dark. One of the things that I was worried about was that this movie wouldn't address the aftermath of the snap in a way that could be felt outside of the Avengers scope. So like, you know, on on the, the ground level. And that really helps to do that. My favorite shot in the whole trailer is actually just Tony Stark and Nebula working together. Because it's like two characters that if, if I asked you like what two characters are you hype to see interact in an Avengers movie, you would literally never just say Tony Stark and Nebula. And yeah. so I just like seeing those two together. Plus Tony Stark is working on building an Iron Man again, I assume. Um, uh, which harkens back to Iron Man One, and I love that. The Avengers movies are like poetry, they rhyme. There you go. I also like the shot of Rocket opening a door. I don't know why, but I just I know dude, I was gonna say that. That was my favorite part. <laughs> I don't know why either. It's <laughs> just like the scene where they have like everybody who's left walking together in a lineup, I'm like, this is a motley fucking crew. Seriously, what the hell? <laughs> have you seen the um here the past couple of days I've seen a uh uh an article going around about the um, the Avengers costumes for this movie. Yeah, and so I clicked it, and it 
they just they look like the Avengers. It's not anything. <laughs> I'm really glad you brought it up. Yeah, that, that that's actually why it's not in the news. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Want to talk about the nothing of a Marvel uh, Captain Marvel trailer that they had to kill while we're at it? There was a Captain Marvel trailer. I didn't there was. No, I'd... yeah, you'd have to watch the game to see that. That's the thing. I did I watch. The must game. be why I didn't see it. I didn't watch the game when I saw it. Uh, but uh, I actually watched a version of it that included like lots of clips that they've shown, so it was all strewn together, and it was actually really great. But. Uh, Tom Brady kisses his boss and his kids on the mouth, and it's weird, and I don't like it. All right, listen, man. You clearly have an axe to grind. Looking forward to that in the Avengers movie, I tell you what. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, so carrying on with this trailer, there is one thing that happens that has actually had everybody in a tizzy, and that is... The shot of the Avengers uh, sort of looking up, and, and, and it, you can't really tell what they're looking at. Um, it's a shot of uh, Captain America, um, Captain America, Oh, they're War in like a field. Yeah, right? they're in a field. Hmm. Captain America, War Machine, um, what's this guy's name? Jesus, Bruce Banner and Black Widow. And... If you, What's this guy? I know. He turns into a big green guy. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, Played by Mark Wahlberg. They're right outside the Avengers facility. You sure and about that? It was a joke. Well, okay. Kale <laughs> <laughs> ready. Oh, man. <laughs> Just ready to attack me. You ever notice how whenever someone says something like questionable, Kale has this like judge face that comes on like. Like, you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it literally says, are you sure about that? <laughs> um but if you but if you look at that at that shot first of all they're they're looking at something and we don't quite know what it is um and there's speculation to be had about that so we can talk about that but then there's also a gaping hole between um between Bruce Banner and uh James Rhodes and it looks as though or some people are saying that there's a character who's been edited out of that shot. Have you guys seen this? I think it's Drax. You think using it's Drax? His in, using his invisibility power. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, no, it's... Uh, I heard John Cena makes a cameo in this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think there's, there's probably some merit to that theory. Because, like, obviously we saw in the... Um, the previous Avengers movies trailer, uh, that scene with everybody running and like Hulk was in it. And then he was very much not in that scene. So like they, they're not above editing stuff to try to fake us out and like, you know, set our expectations in the wrong place. So yeah, I think that makes sense. Any ideas on who it might be? (sighs) I mean, it, I I guess it could be Tony. Like, maybe in the Hulkbuster armor or something like that. Like, that's, like, a bigger... I'm trying to think of people who would be big enough to fill the space, you know? And, like, there aren't that many candidates. Drax would make sense, but, like, why would you edit him out? Whereas, like, Tony... Because well, he's dead, Hulkbuster right? Armor. Yeah, that, that, that was a joke, my dog. Oh, I forgot he was gone in the snap. My bad. Yeah. Okay, then... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's my guess. Probably Marmaduke. You? He's pretty big, and well, maybe it's me. 
my guess is uh, is simple. It's Ant Man. I think that. Mm. So in the last trailer, we see that he like goes and locks on the door, or whatever. And this is at night, so just super, you know, loose theory crafting. Um, maybe this scene takes place after they've, you know, gotten reacquainted with Ant Man, and who they're looking at coming down is actually whatever construct Tony and Nebula used to get out of that ship. Or if they fix the ship and it's and it's landing or whatever. That's my guess. So you think the gap is what, like Ant Man. Ant Man shrinking or no, you think it's just, him as giant man? Ju- no, just literally standing there. Oh, okay. Okay. Um I, like I don't think there's that much space to where a regular human could reasonably be there. Like if you were to remove Captain America from between Black Widow and uh, Bruce Banner, it would look like there was a massive hole there too, which I think is just just because we're looking at a still a miserable movie. So yeah, I, th- sure. I think Ant Man is there. All right, I buy that. Uh, this article I'm looking at now uh, says a lot of people are saying Captain Marvel. They edited her out to uh, right. That would make sense. I think that's personally. I think that's a little goofy, just because. Uh, if Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel's not going to just knock on their door and be like, hey guys, I'm here now, and then they're going to just, you know, hang out together. When she joins the fray, it's going to be... In the know, heat of battle. Yeah, like in the thick of something, like, you know, when she's needed. So I, I don't really feel like that makes sense, but it could be. But yeah, d- depending on when this scene happens in the movie, it could, like, that moment could have already happened. And then this happens right. when she's already, like, acquainted with them. You know, like, hey, what up? Nick Fury called. What's going on? Oh, cool. Everything's shit. <laughs> she could be who they're looking at, too. That's also, That's also true. Um, yeah. It could be Thor. Thor's supposed to be hanging out with them at this point, right? He didn't go away. Yeah, he's still alive. Thor's, uh, where is he? Oh, yeah. He, yeah, he was, he was around. Yeah, it could be Thor. Yeah. I don't know why they would, but it could be. Could be Jeremy Renner in his stupid costume, and his stupid haircut, and his stupid this fucking face. This family's dead. All right, give him a break. No, no, no. That's edited out. Oh, oh, yes. Okay, yeah, that that could be. Uh, so obviously, there's a lot. To, there's a lot to speculate about. It could honestly be nobody, too, right? Um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, just a lot of wild speculation, but. Uh, so it's just they're leaving enough space so that when Bruce Banner becomes the Hulk, that he doesn't just crush whoever's next to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. One one rumor that uh, has sort of been confirmed to a degree by, by this point is that Avengers Endgame looks like it's going to be about three hours, or at least that's where they're at with it right now. And as a result, Marvel is teasing the idea among themselves of having an intermission. Oh God! For yes. this movie. let's do it. I'm old. My fucking bladder can't keep up anymore. Let's give me a oh, break. Oh God! There's two kills on the show now. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you, man, we ain't getting any younger. Facts. Um, I don't want that personally. I'm I'm not gonna get up during the movie, and I just want to stay in it. So they did. They did like test screenings. And apparently nobody got up to go to the bathroom except, like, one guy in one instance. And I'm just like, how is that possible? That's hilarious. Like, you're telling me <laughs> this is a three-hour movie with no boring scenes? Yeah. I, yeah, no. I think I think that's probably accurate. I think it will probably be a three-hour movie with few to no boring scenes. 
it, especially, I mean, maybe a scene could be boring if, like, let's say this is your first Marvel movie, or you've only seen, like, Iron Man 10 years ago, but if you've been keeping up with this whole deal, you're you're wrapped in. There's not, there's not going to be a line of dialogue you're not, you know, hanging on. Uh, if I gotta go to the bathroom, I gotta go to the bathroom. That's all I know. That's what I'm saying. And like, yeah, that that's to me why I'd rather there be a an intermission, intermission. Yeah, so like you know that you're not gonna miss anything good. So you guys are all in favor, nah, man. Whole one thousand percent. Somebody somebody made a tweet that Phil caught me. Oh, it was Ryan Ryan Katie uh, made a tweet that was like uh, it was something to the effect of this movie could be a twenty minute student film and nobody would get up and go to the bathroom. I was like, mm mm. That's me right here, dog. You know, yeah. You know, catch me missing the climax because I got to go to the bathroom at 20 minutes fan. <laughs> yeah, my thing is I'm fine with it. Like, I, I'm not uh, – it's not like a thing I need, but I don't – it doesn't – it won't, like, bother me. Like, I'm, I'm generally aligned with you on the idea, Sean, of, like, I want to just sit there and be in it. But I also recognize that, like – the reality of of like sitting in a movie theater and drinking a giant fucking soda for three hours, like you know, like I'm gonna need to take a piss at some point. Not like, you gotta you gotta pace it out. You just like take little sips here I'm and gonna, there, and you just make that last. I'm gonna have to have a strategy. No, I'm gonna have to fucking I'm gonna, fast. What? I'm an American. I fucking get a gallon of soda and drink it in the first ten minutes before the movie starts. All right. Yeesh. Yeah. As much as I like like what Marco said, I, I, that's what I do too. And like ninety percent of the popcorn is gone. Also, yeah, exactly. I'm bored at that point when the movie starts. I don't need to eat. I'm good. <laughs> uh, so we also got the official synopsis for Avengers Endgame, which basically just tells us what we already kind of knew. Um, after the devastating events of Avengers Infinity War, the universe is in ruins due to the efforts of the Mad Titan Thanos. With the help of remaining allies, the Avengers must assemble once more in order to undo Thanos' actions and restore order to the universe once and for all, no matter what consequences may be in store. So, I get out of that basically what everyone has predicted, which is that the consequence is going to be that either all the original Avengers are going to die... Or that one of them is going to have to sacrifice themselves to undo what was done. I definitely don't think they're all going to die. Because, like, I think, like, we know that there's going to be more Thor. Like, the, uh, Chris Hemsworth has said as much. So, like, I, I feel like Cap is going to sacrifice himself. Tony's going to retire. And we also know there's a Black Widow movie coming, right? So, like, you know, I feel like we'll see a bunch of these characters get kind of, like, their send-off. Whether that means that they die or they get, like, injured to the point where they can't be in active duty anymore or whatever, you know? But I think there's going to be some of them that are going to keep going. I want everyone to die. Wow. Marco, remember well, uh, remember when we all did the, the – the, there was a website where you could see if Thanos killed you or not? Yeah. Did Thanos kill you? I don't think he did. Damn it. That's unfortunate. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I feel like – I think Phil was the only one that didn't make it. That's so plausible. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I feel like it was Phil or Marco. That's uh, Mar- Marco and I would both be the ones to die in a snap incident. I already know it's true. Well, what? It would just be, I just, I'm just holding Marco's hand and, and he's like, I'm sorry, Mr. Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Pete. <laughs> Believe it or not, listeners, that is what Pete makes Marco call him. Mm. Really weird. Skating, uh, <laughs> skating a real thin line this week. 
right, you know, keep keep people out of our bedroom, Phil. So, uh, to get away from that weirdness, <laughs> a lot of people's favorite Phase Three movie um, was Thor Ragnarok, uh, and in large part because of the director of Taika Waititi. So. Because of that, of course, people want him to direct every Marvel movie, and especially the one that seems to be uh, closest to his sensibilities, which is Guardians of the Galaxy. And since Guardians of the Galaxy 3 has no director, uh, he was recently asked whether or not he would be willing to direct Guardians of the Galaxy 3 by the rap. And so uh, he said, going into something like that, which has got his stamp all over it. It would feel like going into someone's house and saying, "Hey, I'm your new dad." God, that is a Taika. That is <laughs> that is. I've watched several Taika Waititi films. That is such a Taika Waititi line. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, is he the guy that you would want to see direct the film? I think when we talked about it, we all said, or I know I said, he was my pick. I yeah, I would be down for that. I think he'd do. He'd do really well, I think. Yeah, I think of the, like, existing Marvel talent, he makes the most sense, right? Like, he did a funny space movie. Everybody was like, oh, this is like Guardians. So, like, obviously it's, like, in his wheelhouse. Um, but, yeah, I see where he's coming from, where, like, he, he's pretty new to the Marvel camp and, like, you know, not wanting to, like, be the guy who replaces James Gunn, like, makes sense. Like, I think if I were in his, in his shoes, I probably wouldn't want that, that job either. Because he did that for Thor, but nobody liked Thor 1 and 2, you know? Uh, so, like, he was able to come in and take something that was, like, struggling and, and, like, find a new voice for it. Whereas if he was doing Guardians 3, it would very much be like, okay, I need you to just emulate what ga- what James Gunn is doing. And, like, no matter what, some people would hate it and give him shit for it. And it's like, I feel like there's a lot of risk and very little potential for reward for him. Yeah. The best the best case scenario is he lands someone else's play. Mm-hmm. I don't really have any interest in someone else making a Guardians of the Galaxy movie with with the James Gunn version. I I like those two movies quite a lot, but they were like purely James Gunn's and kind of would just rather just end and start over later if you want and do something else. Um, <clears throat> that said, I I like uh Wahiti, but I do not care for Thor Ragnarok. I tried to rewatch it uh, a couple months ago because. I figured maybe I was wrong about it, and I couldn't even get 15 minutes in before I turned it off. Uh, wow. Yeah, I just have no interest. Well, I mean, you are wrong with it. Yeah, you are absolutely <laughs> wrong. Absolutely wrong. <laughs> I, I feel for them, too, because I, I kind of feel the same as Phil. Like, it, it is a James Gunn series, and, like, if someone were to take it, they'd have to drastically change it in order for it to not be something that someone's just trying to ape on. Or like trying to direct, like uh, Pete said, like land someone else's plane. Like y- you, you need to do something where you have to like just make it so much more different. That way, it feels like as much as it can be or an organic progression. I don't know yeah. that it's like impossible for them to make a good Guardians three without James Gunn, but I feel like they need to. I I agree with like what Phil's saying, where I feel like at the very least there there needs to be some space. You know, I think, like, no pun intended there. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I missed that. <clears throat> some space. I, Guys, he said some space because yeah. it happens up there. Oh, space. I know. Thanks, I, I, thanks, I'm, I'm aware. 
space. Um, but yeah, I, I I think the best strategy is to just wait a while, not try to slot someone else in and like hit that same goal with it. Or you know, like fucking do exactly that. Give it to some college kid who is trying to make his you know make his name and have him try and do a James Gunn film and whatever happens happens and now this kid's out there like yeah let's give a college kid a, a 200 million dollar budget and see what happens i mean fuck if they want to give me a 200 million dollar budget i'll give it a shot but like what like what i'm saying is like if they want guardians 3 and they're going to want it in james gunn style anyway like let somebody do it but marvel's and, been so much more methodical than that yeah they have been yes Hopefully that's what they do here is continue that that strategic placement of you know the right people in the right places because Guardians Three can still be good, I think. Yeah, I agree. So let's let's move on. Oh, actually, before we uh, jump off this subject, I did want to just tag on that Taika said uh, he's. I'll, I'll just read his words. I'm hanging out with Marvel still, talking about new stuff, but I don't know what that might be yet. I want to do another movie. So just want to throw that out there that he's not ready to leave the the Marvel world just yet, which is exciting. I like He's a, He's also doing a ton of other stuff too right now. He's got his own little properties popping up here and there. Yeah, he's writing yeah, The Mandalorian. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. He's, and he's, yeah. he's doing the... Um, the TV adaption of the of his of his film, mm-hmm. uh, what we do in the shadows. So, what we do in the shadows, yeah, it's like a vampire that, comedy. That's that's a great movie. That movie's. I think, I think it's going to be a really good show. Um, yeah, he's also doing with the uh, the flight of the Concords guys the uh, Wellington Paranormal, which is that's uh, right. Oh, right. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a really talented director, and I think it's cool. Like I like that he got his shot to do like a big blockbuster movie that like raised his star power, and then like his immediate thing is like I'm gonna do a bunch of smaller things now. I'm gonna you know, do like, a bunch of more, I, I, a bunch of Kiwi stuff, and, and and like projects that are more personal. You know, like working with like people that are his close friends, working on a property that's his own. Like I think that's really a smart thing because I think you see a lot of directors like get burnout on like the big Hollywood stuff and like i i like the idea of him like you know going away for a refresher and coming back with a fresh pair of eyes like i want to do something but i'm not like committing to doing another thor movie or something like that right away you know right like i would rather see him do something else you know like frankly like i'd rather see them like give him a property that like nobody really like has touched or cares about like similar to what they did with james gunn and guardians you know like just throwing this out there, probably not a popular opinion. I would I would fuck with the Taika Waititi Howard the Duck movie. How did I know you were gonna say that? Ah, <laughs> yeah. uh, what, what is gonna I was gonna say Howard Nova. I don't want to see I'd, him do Nova. I'd be down with that, but but Nova's I don't I'm with Phil. Well, I love Nova, but I I don't want to see. I love yeah, me too. You don't want him to be funny. No. Maybe Silver Surfer. Yeah, what? that'd be good. That would make no sense. <laughs> All right, you're just... No, because, like, it's kind of similar to Thor, except that, you know, uh, in that you've got the Silver Surfer, who's, like, the, the serious character, but the funny shit happens around him. So, not no. similar to Thor, but... <laughs> All right, well, I guess we'll have to wait and see as he makes his choice. Uh, so, moving along, Kevin Smith has a podcast called Fat Man Beyond, 
It's no longer Fat Man. I'm Batman. Rest in peace. <laughs> that's that's so funny. It used to be a very good podcast. What changed? He decided He'll to stop, stop listening on... to it. No, what happened was he started. It, it it was originally a podcast where he would bring on major comic book creators that wrote on Batman or did stuff with the animated series, and he would have like long interviews, and they were really thoughtful and good. And then it just became like a kind of just like a pop culture podcast, and it was just fine, just not as good. All right. Well, now that the critique of Kevin Smith's podcast is over, um, <laughs> he and his partner on the show, uh, Mark Bernardin, were talking about who they would like to see Tom Cruise play in a Marvel movie. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I have never thought about who Tom Cruise should play in a Marvel movie. So, all of this was strange to me. But the main character that they threw out, that he threw out, that he thought would be a great choice, is Wolverine. That's that's wild. So when I first saw this, I had like the same kind of reaction of just like, eh, like why? But like the more I think about it, I, I could I could see it being good. Like I don't I, I don't think he'd be my first pick. But, like, have you guys ever seen, um, I think it's called Edge of Tomorrow? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's a fucking sick movie. I love that movie. Like, Tom Cruise is a good actor. Like, he's a crazy person, but, like, he's a good actor. And, like, I could Uh... see him. (laughs) I, I, okay, no, I think. Why don't you wait until I'm done talking and then you can make your fucking shitty points? Yeah, of Um... of all the things you can say about Tom Cruise, he's a phenomenal actor. And that's, like, that's Uh... not up for debate. Like, I'm with Phil. Okay, yeah, whatever. Like, have you even ever seen him in anything? Like, get over yourself. Um, and, yeah. like, he's he's got <laughs> proven action chops. You know, like, he's been doing Mission Impossible for a while now. And he's, like, he's like a method actor in a way that I don't mind because his method is, like, I'm going to learn how to fly a helicopter so I can do a scene where I fly a helicopter. So it's, like, I don't know. I He's not my first pick, but it's it's it, it reminds me of... The same way I felt when they announced that Heath Ledger was going to be the Joker. It's like, oh, this guy? And it's like, well, you don't know. Like, I, I could see him doing a good job with it. He wouldn't be my first pick, but, like, I don't think it's as crazy of a suggestion as it sounds on its face. So Tom Cruise, in a lot of ways, is the last major actor in Hollywood where he was, like, a massive star to pop culture he just kind of was pervasive in all aspects and when the iron man movie came out there was a lot of people who thought tom cruise should have been iron man um i don't think tom cruise is a great actor he's more he's a he's a star uh if you watch him in like vanilla sky or uh (laughs) the last three or the the middle two mission impossible movies there there's some some cringe cringe inducing stuff there i don't think of him as wolverine at all i i don't think he's got that kind of dirty look. look or or aspect to him if anything if i could think of a tom cruise uh mcu character that would fit is i could see him as reed richards oh I can fuck with that. god no <laughs> what the hell I love that every character we've thrown out, Sean has gotten increasingly more displeased with it. Oh, 
Um, they actually made that suggestion too that he could play Reed Richards, and when I saw that, I just I just wanted to die. I'm just saying, just look at him. You just you just give him that weird like feathered hair and a scruffy ass beard. He could be Wolverine. No, I no. I don't see it. I I agree. Like he doesn't have that like uh like that grizzly look. He he's too. Like you just showed that picture and it was him smiling. Like I don't see that <laughs> smiling face going like snicked and going err or something. Like he's I think fine, hold on, hold I on. Think what I, about I think if you'd caught Tom Cruise the same way they caught Hugh Jackman, like at the beginning of his career and uh no, you know, where he could like make the image, I think it I think it would have worked. So I, I don't have any any axe to grind against Tom Cruise. I have no beef with him. Um, my problem with it, though, is that it's similar to how a lot of people felt about Ben Affleck um, and similar cases like that where the actor overshadows the role. Yeah, yes. Tom Cruise. Yes, yes. That's the issue. Yeah, Tom Cruise is, is, as Phil eloquently said, like a massive superstar. And yeah, he's when a he, movie star. Right. No matter what character he plays, it's going to be Tom Cruise. And you're going to think about that. Maybe more than you'll think about the character. Um, yeah, I guess that's fair. Because I feel like the only other real example you have of that... Well, I don't know, though, man. Because, like, Scarlett Johansson was a movie star before she was Black Widow. Not not nearly as big of a star. In fact, I think her star has only increased since the Avengers movie came out. Yeah, like, that's accurate. The, the, people, the people that come to mind in this camp, and there's not a ton of them, are people like... Bill Murray, George Clooney, Tom Hanks, like the the, the category is getting smaller. I would smaller. I, be- I would even put in an argument about uh, Robert Redford in uh, The Winter Soldier. But yeah, but you know what? The problem with Robert Redford is his star his, his starlight had dimmed substantially by the time that movie yeah. came out. That's the same thing with like Robert Downey, where it's like he was like his career was like the, like Iron Man was a comeback for him, so like right. he wasn't relevant in the way that tom cruise has kind of always been relevant yeah i also think in the robert downey case uh for younger people like what the age that we were at around that time he wasn't familiar to us really no if you were older you probably remember him from some stuff but for us i didn't know who he was yeah while we were growing up he was like in rehab (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly so i like how we just laughed at rehab (laughs) but yes Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I think Tom Cruise should stick to Mission Impossible personally. Well, but. if I may, the other thing they talk about in that um, in that interview is Kevin Smith brings up that he would make like a really maniacal villain, and yeah. that that I could see. He doesn't like playing villains. So I didn't ask what he likes to play, did I? I'm just saying I don't think he would do it. Well. I think I think. Is there a world in which Tom Cruise could play a character, a comic book character in a movie? Yeah. But I think it needs to be a character that is either sort of irrelevant so that he can take it over and it'll be fine, or a character that's not... In general, it needs to be a character that doesn't have a super, like, a ton of name recognition. Like, if he were to play a character from Image, right? Or... um or if he were to play a lesser known Marvel or DC character, I think that could work better. I bet if Tom Cruise introduced Booster Gold into the DCFU, that oh would that would take God. off. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh man, I love Phil's overreactions. 
No, I love. No, I like that one. Tom oh, Cruise, you Mr. like Goal it? Good. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. Oh yeah. All right. Well, there you go. I'm in love with Booster Gold. I'm in love with Booster. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. So it's time to play a game. We're debuting a brand new game here on the show. Oh shit! Yes, Ooh. yes, we are. Ooh. And this Sounds game. Pulling out all the stops this week, you guys. <laughs> Got this in the bag. This game is called Five by Five. Ooh. Is it going to be like Marco's Jeopardy? No, it's going to be a lot better. Uh, <laughs> be a well-executed game. Instead. Whoa, whoa! That's like peak standard. <laughs> it's it's a very simple game there's not a lot to it uh and bonus points if you can tell me where i got the name from so what we're gonna do is i'm gonna set a timer that timer is gonna be set at five minutes because it's five and of us and there's five minutes that's correct bonus um, points. yes huh? but no that's not where i got it from that's just Idiot. why it makes sense he's a dick premise. marco Damn. um and i have <laughs> I have five news stories, okay? So our goal is oh. to get through the five news stories within five minutes. And it's Bonus a collective points, game. I know where this came from. I had this idea. <laughs> That's It's where I got the name from, not where I got the Damn idea it. from. <laughs> now I have to eat a dick. There you go. Good. Enjoy. Um, so you, we're going to try to stick to a minute for each segment, but... If you want to keep talking about it, you can say, extend this, and we will keep talking about it. But that's going to set us back for the other the other topics. So choose wisely. Now, this is the first time we're playing it, so there may be some kinks, but I'm pretty confident that this is going to go just fine, and we'll have some fun. So, I'm, are you guys ready? I'm going to start the timer here. G- g- give me one Wait, sec- so how does our rotation go? Is it five minutes for everybody? There is no rotation. It's five minutes for the whole crew to talk about the five subjects. And we have to get through it within five minutes. And saying, I like this and passing is not good enough because we want to come in as close to five minutes without going over as possible. So wait, are you going to lay out what the five news articles are first? Nope. I'm going to. Oh, we're just going to go through? We're going to just go. All right, let's do it. I'm going to start the clock. Here we go. And we're on. Okay. So there's something fishy about this next news story. An Aquaman spinoff movie is coming (laughs) without any stars at all. Apparently, DC is making a movie, this is according to The Hollywood Reporter, that is about the trench only from Aquaman. And it's not going to feature any of the characters that we liked in the movie at all. And it's supposed to be a mo- have a modest budget, and it's going to be very different than a normal superhero movie. When I hear a movie called The Trench, I just think it's going to be a horror story about World War One survivors that got trench foot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I hear this news, I think, man, Aquaman made a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or fu- yeah, fucking James Wan really likes underwater shit now. <laughs> <laughs> Like, hey, uh, our regular extended universe is a fucking failure. Why don't we just make a bunch of Aquaman spinoffs? It's been a minute. Extender pass. Pass. Let's go. Pass. pass. All right. EC Comics is partnering with Hivemind for Weird Fantasy, which is going to be a TV series. So uh, Weird Fantasy was a comic book that 
was really popular in the 40s and 50s that featured sci-fi horror and fantasy books, and it was very similar to The Twilight Zone in terms of how it presented itself and whatnot. And uh, because of the comics code, it was forced to pivot and tell different stories in 1954, and it kind of floundered after that. HBO's Tales from the Crypt used a lot of inspiration from EC and was a massive hit. Are you guys into this? Definitely. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I love anthology series, and um, they've like been kind of on the rise lately. Like, obviously, Black Mirror was a big hit. We've got the the um, Twilight Zone reboot with um, uh, Jordan, yeah, Jordan Peele. Uh, so yeah, like it seems like a great time for this, and I love throwbacks to like that era of comics, you know, where like everything was like anthologies. You know, it's like yeah, let's fucking go. There's a lot of potential for something really creative here because. Uh, the reboot of the Twilight Zone is limited because it's a reboot. This is something that can be completely fresh and completely new. I disagree. I disagree with that. It's been a minute. Extend or pass? Pass. Extend. Pass. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> Legion is ending after its third season, which is on the way. Uh, Legion is a show that I think Marco, you show liked? hands. Wait, wait. Show of hands. Who's who's watched it? Oh yeah, dog. All right, we're the only cool ones, y'all. This is an audio y'all, podcast. Y'all, y'all, y'all are, oh, fine. Kale, 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 and me, y'all. Are uh, like- yeah, this is good uh, because I think, unlike regular comic book uh, stories, this will have a, a finite ending. It'll be one story uh, being told over three seasons. That's a it. Good That's story, good. True. Now that it's ending, maybe I'll actually watch it. Yeah, I want to watch it. It's very good. You should. It's a Phil show. It's definitely a Phil show. Any chance it gets picked up on the Disney app? I don't want it to Probably be. Not. I don't think so. Probably not. Is it, was it canceled or what? Are they ending it on their own? Uh, so the showrunner wanted it to always be three seasons, and nice. that the ending is going to be a natural conclusion. Uh, but they don't say that it was canceled necessarily. Okay. If yeah. that was their vision for it, yeah, like let's just fucking wrap yep. it, call it a day. Yep. All right. Pass. All right, very good. So Into the Spider-Verse won seven categories, seven different awards at the Eddie Awards. Pass. Uh, the fuck is up? <laughs> Yo, get out of here, Marco. Pass on you. <laughs> uh, so real quick, 70% of the films that win Best Animated Feature at the Eddie Awards win at the Oscars. It won seven awards for Best Animated Feature, uh, production design, uh, among other things. Most Thoughts. frames dropped. Uh, fucking Incredibles 2 and Isle of Dogs can suck it. Let's go into the Spider-Verse. If, if Spider-Verse doesn't win an Oscar, especially after that prediction, uh, films that win at the Annie's win at the Oscars, then the system is broken and we need to just collapse it and kill it. Burn it and start over. Into the Spider-Verse is marvelous. It's one of my favorite movies of the year. It absolutely should win a ton of Oscars. All right. Last news one, uh, David F. Walker launches his own comic book company called Solid Comics. David F. Walker is a black comic book creator who is making the rounds right now. He started in 96, but is trying to up his game. He's working on Naomi right now alongside Brian Bendis. Any thoughts? Oh. He did. Uh, he's doing Bitter, Bitter Root as well, Bitter Root, isn't he? yes. That's a good uh, one. This is dope. Yeah, I, I'm not Time. familiar with David F. Walker's work, but that's cool. Time. We... We did it. We I, did it. <laughs> I am actually impressed. I am too. We we often get made fun of by uh, our little, little, little sister show, The Longbox Podcast, for uh, being verbose. And so, Longbox and anyone else who criticizes us, 
We just completed the 5x5 five five challenge, and we did it with ease. I mean, to be fair, we spent like a half hour on a, a minute and a half teaser trailer for the Avengers, so. All right, well, listen. Uh, uh, Stop. Can't win them all. Five times. <laughs> five times. Five times. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. That's something that we can bring back if you did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. Um, so, you know, we'll see. The last thing we're going to talk about won? here. Who won? There is no winner. It's we we the, collectively the win, win or we collectively lose. So what's the point of the bonus points? Uh, Marco, I won oh actually. Gosh. Um, you were the one who did lose because you got talked over several times. So, because <laughs> um, y'all are rude. Yeah, yeah. So you uh, you lose. So try again next time. A conversation is like a fist fight with words, Marco, and you got your ass kicked. I'm just gonna talk over y'all now. <laughs> Good luck. He's gonna. I mean, I'm he's, gonna try. He's gonna. He's, he's gonna I edit did. us all out and then just put his <laughs> his uh, his in, voice in like over a nice in, consolidated form. Yeah. He's going to edit out that whole segment and then do his own conversation on each story. <laughs> Good extend the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we started this episode with fun Twitter stuff. And now we have to end the new segment on some sad Twitter stuff or really infuriating Twitter stuff. Because I have to tell a story about how Mike S. Miller, who is a Comics Gate loyalist, Pissed off the entirety of comics Twitter in one fell swoop. So, uh, Mike Waringo is a very, very beloved comic book creator who died in 2007. Uh, He was well known for many different things in comics as far as his art is concerned. But I think one of the things that he was uh, really well known for is his fantastic forerun. Uh, with Mark Wade, and so you know, very sad. I think a lot of people that are within comics really were, uh, you know, big fans of him. By all accounts, great guy. So Mike S. Miller acquired at some point in his life a Spider-Man cover that was unfinished uh, by Mike Waringo, and that's where our story. Sorry, just pencils. Yeah, just pencils. And barely um, that, man. Right. And that's where our story begins. So I'm going to use Mike Wingo's tweets to explain what's going on here. So he says... Mike, sorry, Mike Miller's tweets? I'm sorry, Mike Miller. Mike Wingo does not tweet. Uh, Mike Miller said, So I have this old Spider-Man cover breakdown by Mike Wingo, and I'm thinking about finishing it, but making it into a Lone Star cover instead. Thoughts? Don't do it, Mike! Hey, nope. don't do it! <laughs> It's funny because you say nope, Pete, and the next tweet that Bleeding Cool has in this article is just Mike S. Miller saying, yep. yep. <laughs> so that's his response to you. And, of course, people, you know, said to him, uh, you know, that's not cool, whatever. And he responded by saying, ha, 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 I own it. I can throw it in the trash if I want to. If it stirs up controversy, all the better. ha, ha, ha. What a dick. So What an edgy fuckboy. boy. <laughs> So that's that's Mike S. Miller, uh, again, working on a comic book called uh, Lone Star, and that's what he wants to do with this last Mike Waringo cover um, that was worked on, which you would think somebody would treasure. But instead, what he ends up posting 
uh, a few days later is how he went over this and, and, and made it his own. Um, it, it's so crazy what he did that I, I almost don't even know how to explain it. He took the, he took the rough pencils and, and, and drew over them. And yeah, he inked over it. Yeah, he inked over it, added a background, and made it his own thing. Uh, so obviously, a lot of people were very unhappy with that. Cully Hamner actually took to Twitter and uh, really, really put the beats on uh, Mike Miller here. So here's what he said: "This is some manipulative, dishonest, self-serving bullshit right here, dude." If I thought you were even capable of shame, I'd say you should be ashamed of yourself. Indefensible. <laughs> you have no right to claim your redrawn, repurposed image is a Ringo cover. Last or not. Then he tweets again. Apparently, you took this rough, redrew it enough to make them your own characters, added a shitty third-rate hack background, and you're going to publish it, touting it as the last Ringo cover to be published. I seriously have no words. Well, that's not true. I have many words. Now... <laughs> the 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 window cover was supposed to be for Spider-Man. And so because of that, I, I don't know what this Lone Star character or whatever is or what the powers are, but he, he's very much even in a Spider-Man pose. Like if you look at the image, it's yeah. clearly a Spider-Man pose. He even has like Spider-Sense um, graphics over his head. Like it looks yeah, like – go ahead. It's lazy as shit. Yeah. Um, really, really, cr- really crazy. Like shocking uh, that 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 he did this. Um, and then Mike S. Miller responds and says, "Yeah, the background isn't great. The bricks are too big. I just noticed. The breakdown is by Mike Ringo. I changed the costumes. Otherwise, it would be worthless. Sorry, you're mad, bro." And Cully responds, "Hey, bro, shove your gaslighting bullshit up your ass." <laughs> Mike did not draw that cover rough for you or your book. He didn't draw those characters, and he can't consent to you touting your lame, weak, fraudulent shit as Ringo's last cover. This is low, even for you. Uh, My dude. My dude going for the throat. I love it. (laughs) Miller goes... Miller says, uh, even for you, I didn't realize you held such a low opinion of me, Cully. And then Cully responds in what I can only describe as brilliant. You realize it now, asshole? (laughs) 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 oh he's getting a follow from me for that one brilliant right (laughs) so then Cully says Mike Waringo had no intent and gave no consent in 96 to draw a cover for your book and your characters in 2019 that image is a rough for a cover commission from him by Marvel you know this Mike Miller you've been in the biz for a long time and you're not dumb uh, and then somebody else named Matthew Warlick said, you forged his name twice, get effed. And uh, the that that's where it also gets pretty screwy uh, in that in the, in the uh, I, I don't know what, I don't know how to exactly describe this. I guess there's like info on the page. It's, you know, title and artist and month created. So the title oh, is yeah, Lone Star. It's around in the the bleed of the page. Right, exactly. The title's Lone Star. The artist credited is Mike Waringo and Mike S. Miller. He even, like, inks over Ringo's signature, which is annoying as fuck. Like, this wasn't his. 
Yeah. And what's so wild about it, too, is that in the right hand, the bottom right hand corner, it even says Marvel Comics, the old logo. (laughs) (laughs) What a dipshit. Insane. I I fucking hate this guy so much. Insane. Uh, And so there's a lot more a lot more back and forth that goes on. Mike S. Miller ends up saying, you're right. Cully, I repent, I won't use it, I know you're a man of good conscience, and I trust your judgment on the matter. Pinky swear. Then... Pinky swear? I know. This he might as well put a winky face emoji in there. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, Matt Waringo, who is the brother of Mike Waringo, posted and said, Mr. Miller, Mike would not approve of this, nor do I. As his executor, I need to ask you to remove his signature from this. Mike S. Miller responds, you got it, Matt. I wouldn't do it without your approval. But you tried to. (laughs) Which is exactly what Cully Hamner said. And then Mike S. Miller responded, yeah, I can read. Thanks. His Uh... last tweet... Oh, you mad? <laughs> his last. Are you mad, bro? <laughs> My dude got caught with his pants around his ankles. <laughs> yeah, I can read. Winky face. Pinky you can't swear. draw. You fucking hack. Pinky swear. <laughs> his That's last the name tweet... of this episode is Pinky swear. <laughs> <laughs> his last uh, tweet with verbiage in it was: "I will be uploading a video of my final solution." What? Whoa! Mic- whoa! What? 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 Great turn of phrase. Final solution. Oh, Jay, hold up, dog. Wait till you hear what he does. <laughs> it gets extremely worse, especially in the context. Like, right, like you, you, you think that this story couldn't get worse, and it somehow does. He somehow looks worse. Especially in the context of him having used the phrase final solution. He then uploads a video to oh YouTube. Oh, my God. When I saw this video, I... Open mouth, gasped in horror, put my hand over my mouth. He posts a video to YouTube of him burning. What the co- the, the the cover image? How does wait? How does he burn it? He uses he, it's on a I guess a grill, and he uses like oh a marshmallow God. that he burned, and he oh uses it to burn. God. And and there's a video. There's a video of him doing it. Okay, listeners, for those of you who don't know history. Uh, final solution is what the Nazis called their policy of exterminating European Jewish people. Um, obviously, they did a lot of that shit by burning people, and this really <laughs> sounds and looks terrible. Marcus, did you not know about this? I no, I didn't. I didn't know that. That I I had just stopped at the uh, or like I stopped following after he like went on. Uh, a, a podcast with I think like diversity and stuff and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. even they were shitting on him like uh, after that I was like I didn't want anything to do with this I had no idea that he like what a fucking piece of shit dude I, I didn't know I, I remember the original exchange on Twitter and I was like yeah this is dumb I'm hopping off this is bad right I did not realize how how far the fucking rabbit hole this went what an insane person yeah this is one of the worst things I've seen like in comics um and it you know maybe i don't know there may be people out there who don't get why this is so bad but you gotta you gotta understand right this is a person who was passed right mike waringo this is a person who was loved this is a person who you know 
it was his work, right? His craft, his blood, his sweat. And, you know, 23 years after he drew this thing, some idiot acquires it and decides that not only is he going to essentially trace over it and use that as the bones for his own cover and completely ruin it, yeah. He's going to forge the guy's name on it for God knows what purpose. And then money. when people trash him for that, he burns it. You're, 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 you're appropriating someone else's work to lift up your own name and your own stock and tracing over their work to do something that is your IP or whatever <laughs> and getting mad when people get mad about it. It's like it's like when uh, Dove Chocolate put Audrey Hepburn in a commercial, like they CGI'd her in. It's you're <sighs> she's been dead for forty years. What the hell? <laughs> That's what this is like. It's like you're 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 using someone's more reputable and likable uh, likeness to try to sell shit. It's slimy as hell. Like from a art preservation perspective, the easiest solution was go into Lightroom and do this digitally. Right, scan the image scan and it. then do and your shitty thing. Yeah, and then, that's you know, it. And then, yeah. and then deal with that backlash. That's, that's but like the thing whatever. that makes me like, the most It's angry. just going to be, I, outside of that, it's just like this is, like the shitty thing about comics and, and, and comics pages is they get lost a lot. And they're not preserved a lot because especially yeah, nobody, especially that old stuff. Like nobody preserves these things, and and this is literally a piece of history from an outstanding creator, and it's gone because of an idiot, and like that's just shitty. I also didn't realize until Sean brought it up that he was like associated with Comicsgate, which just A makes so much sense yeah. and B makes this so much more infuriating. My my favorite part of the story I think is that he went on EVS's podcast <laughs> yeah. and tried to show it off. <laughs> and there was dead silence as he was holding it up and he and he was like, "Oh yeah, this is so cool." <laughs> but literally everyone else there was dead silence. And then EVS himself went, you shouldn't have done that, man. (laughs) And he just went, nah. (laughs) (laughs) It was the best moment. This guy's shit. No, not he is Pete, but like more so than that, he's just a he's an absolute dipshit. (laughs) He's a it's just like he's he's just like a doofus. (laughs) <laughs> and, and it just drives me crazy because, like, when this was, like, popping off originally, like, I was, like, looking at his Twitter feed, you know? And, like, he was, like, calling everybody that was giving him shit a troll. And it's just, like, what, like, how can you have your head shoved so far up your own fucking ass? I saw someone make the argument that, well, what's the difference between this and somebody, say, paying homage to a cover that they really liked or something like that. And I, because you don't try to pass it off as the last cover he ever did. Like it was cl- like Phil said, he was clearly trying to use his star power to raise the profile on his own shitty book. It's totally different. Or destroy that original image. Right. Yeah. Right. And then to destroy it, to burn it because you're a fucking crybaby. 
Although he made it worthless anyway. He made it worthless by destroying it, you know, like by putting his shitty fucking art over it. Somebody, somebody suggested to him early on to lightbox it. Yeah. And his, and his response was, I'm a professional. I've inked him before. Right. Like, who gives a shit? That's not the point. Like, yeah, wow. like this is a piece of history that you're destroying because you want to make yourself more famous. But hopefully, hopefully the takeaway from this is that like the silver lining is that he's made himself more famous and nobody will ever fucking read his shitty fucking comics ever again. My dude's a king dipshit. <laughs> Let's leave it there. <laughs> I'm I'm very happy with that being the punctuating comment. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I don't I don't think there's a better thing to say about it. It's disgusting. This guy's a fucking ass clown. So, for today's main topic, we're doing uh we're doing a little softball. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you pinky swear? Oh god. Why? Because Valentine's Day is coming up. And uh each of us, well, I guess except for Phil. I was going to make yeah. a joke about none, none of us having a date or all of us having a date, but then I remembered Phil and I didn't I want I have a date. Uh, are you sure? Yeah, <laughs> sure. there it is. Philip. I'm sure. <laughs> you guys stomped all over my intro. <laughs> I, I sat here quietly and tried to let you do your job, Sean. Oh, Thank shut you, the Pete. fuck up, Brown Nose. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> So what he I was sat, going he to sat say, there quietly because if he talked, it'd be into a, a megaphone. Aw, give Pete a break. What is this? It's low hanging fruit. That's it's not even offensive. My Twitter handle is loud, Pete. Like I don't know that I'm fucking loud. <laughs> um. So what I was gonna say was that we all have girlfriends, or I guess Kale's a wife, which means that we're doing nothing on Valentine's Day. Um. So instead, I'm getting down. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> I mean, you know, men, they forget Valentine's Day and then they get yelled at and, you know, their girlfriends cry. And that was my year last year. How about yours? So, um, (laughs) (laughs) you fucking joker relax over there. Wasn't that funny? (laughs) It was pretty good. It was like some Fred Flintstone shit. Just so we're all clear, that was not true. Um. Uh, I love you, Rebecca. So, uh, <laughs> Jess and I were yeah, Jess, that's right. Step back in line. <laughs> <laughs> Jess and I were just talking about it today. We don't even remember what we did last year. I don't remember what I did last year. I don't remember what I did ever. Oh my God, being married is so boring. Listen, I, I'll admit it freely. I am at the boring part of my life, and I am okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Oh, Valentine's Day? Yeah, it's one of, the only time of the year I have to make an effort. No problem, baby. <laughs> Yeah, that's my favorite when people shit on Valentine's. They're like, oh, you should just do this every day of the year. And it's like, yeah, but do you? <laughs> yeah, do you? Do you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty romantic. Uh, Sean, please go on. All right. Thank you. So uh, what I was <laughs> your fault, going to say was instead of celebrating Valentine's Day, we're going to read comics. Um, and so because of that, we're going to talk about love and relationship in comics and uh, how those things impact the comics industry. So we're going to talk about our favorite relationships, why some stand the test of time, and how the industry as a whole has treated 
relationships and love in comics over the years. Now, about a year ago, for Valentine's Day, I believe, we actually put out a video. Our top five relationships in comics. Does anybody remember what the top five were? I sure don't. Let me give it a shot. All right. Clark and Lois was number one. I think so. I think we had uh, Reed and Sue. Spider-Man and Mary Jane. And uh, I think the Saga couple yep, was on there. Yep, the Saga there. couple. I think, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Marco and Alana. And I then think Archie. it must have been Gene and... No, no it was Gene and Scott, wasn't it? Yes, I oh, think Oh, so. yeah, it was. So that's the five? Archie yes. wasn't on there? No. no. We, we, were, no. we were flip-flopping between them. They, okay. they were a joke. We made a joke about Archie and Betty and Veronica. Did we? Yeah. Right. It was in the very yeah. very beginning of the video because... Oh, I, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, good. Memories are good. So, if you've not seen that video or if you have and you want a refresher, definitely go over to our YouTube page, Top 5 Couples in Comics. Um, that was a fun one to do. Um, that, was a, that was a Pete and I joint primarily, if I recall correctly. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, um, I think so. I mean, I, yeah. I picked all the images, so. Kill. Thanks, dude. <laughs> I mean, listen, if you're going to sit there and hog all the credit, like. Oh, Nothing no, either. me and Pete did the whole thing by ourselves. Just like that uh, that other guy, he he did that whole comics page by himself. Mike Waringo didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Kale, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. I got the images. <laughs> Um, but so using that as a, as a springboard into this conversation, one thing that I think is really interesting, uh, at least in the case of the one of those characters that are from the big two is that you tend to associate one with the other, right? Um, so as an example, I think the, you know, they were number one in, in, in the art and the video that we did Superman and, and, and Lois Lane. I I don't, I don't want to overstate this but i think that part of the reason why superman became a pop culture icon the way that he did is actually because of lois lane 100 percent um for for research for that video one of the things that i learned that i didn't know is that lois lane was insanely popular she had her own title in the 50s that sold like crazy yeah yep yep so why do you guys think it's the case that when you have you know, a really A-list character. Oftentimes, that individual has a, a a partner, someone that they're in a relationship with. Why does that elevate them? I think it's for a few reasons. I think it's the same because you can say the same thing about. Um, I think like characters that have really tight associations with like uh, a non-romantic partner as well. I think it's that people like good characters need someone to bounce off of often. I think it's a lot harder to write a character that is. Um, really substantial without having other people that are just as substantial around them, you know, because that's like real people, right? Like, and I think that makes a character more human, you know, especially a character like Superman who is, you know, larger than life, who's essentially a God. One of the most humanizing things about him is that he loves a woman, you know, like that's, that's, everyone can relate to that. Everyone has been in love at some point. Everybody has people that they care about in their life, whether it's their wife or their, you know, their mom or their aunt or their, you know, dad or their brother, whoever, like, or their friend, you know, like that, that does a lot to make a character feel grounded, you know, and especially if they're a character that needs grounding like Superman or like, 
you know, um, or even like Batman, right? That's why there's the Bat family. Like Batman's cold and aloof or whatever, but like what humanizes him? He cares about people. He has an army of children. Yes, that it. It also makes it like like a uh, a thing where you can introduce like a different perspective. Like if let's say someone's answer is "Yo, I can punch that," but like, hold on a second, let's step back. Should you? Right. <laughs> yeah, because I get that and, shit and all also, the time, man. It's like, hold on a second, you you gonna buy that? It's like, yeah, it's like it's a cool comic. It's like, wait, 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 wait. we gotta pay rent. It's like, ah, oh, shit. Hey, it's the fucking worst. I've been, <laughs> I've been, I've been nagging Jess to buy me an ice cream cone for fucking months. She won't goddamn do it. We have to, we have to pay the bills. We have to pay rent. Well, as Happy everyone knows, Valentine's Day. Ev- as everyone knows, goddamn ice cream cone. <laughs> as everyone knows, in Luxembourg, ice cream costs like a hundred dollars. That's what Why? I'm saying. <laughs> Um, you know what's funny though is that uh, so many publishers and stuff look at relationships and like particularly like marital relationships as death for a narrative in comics. Oh, you're you're playing a corner crazy. if you do that. <laughs> you're playing a corner if you put this character in a marriage. Oh, I guess that means when life when you get married your life is over. It is. No, honestly, like I think I honestly think that that just comes from people who are just like lazy writers because like. I was talking about this actually uh, in the context of like television the other day because I think that often happens in like a lot of like sitcoms when there's like the will they won't they and then characters get together or whatever and they don't know what to do with them. Whereas and um, one of the ones that came to mind for me was like Parks and Recreation where it's like they have that thing and then they just continue to grow the characters through their marriage, you know, and like right. that, you know, like that's a that's a really valid strategy because, you know, I think like the going through the the beats of like a marriage and having a family and how that ma- forces a person to grow and change like that's more realistic i think the issue is more that especially in comics like superhero comics anyway they're built around the status quo mm-hmm. and that they don't actually want to move the characters forward it's like you can even look at it as like a perspective of like this isn't necessarily even a relationship. This is like uh, a, a a like a sidekick. Like you can treat it from that angle, and it you know you can introduce a bunch of different kind of sidekicks to tell different kinds of stories, and you can still do that in a marriage, in a relationship, or in like any kind of uh, as a parent. Yeah, like you can do that, and that gives you so much more flexibility to tell stories. Yeah, I think that there's some validity to what you guys are saying, but I, I do want to present a counterpoint. So hit us in, in in storytelling, right? Like, let's say uh, you start with two characters who, you know, will they, won't they, right? The end of that narrative is the answer. And so once you decide that they will, you've told that 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 story, right, is done. The tale is told, you know, um, happily ever after when people say that. Typically, that the representation of that imagery when you're talking about a relationship is they were married, right? And then you assume everything else that happened after. Okay, wow, great. Happily ever after. Um, it feels final when that's the, the plot device that you went with because it isn't real life in that regard. It, it is, you know, it is a story. And so um, it feels like a, an end, a natural conclusion point. The problem is that comics don't end. You know, Spider-Man's story isn't ever going to be done. And so if you say, okay, well, he's married now. And the the the, the, the story of Mary Jane and, and Spider-Man is, okay, well, they're married and that's their life and it's great. That's not that interesting. 
And yeah, there are absolutely ways to tell stories within that mix that can be interesting. I don't think that I don't think there's a there's a reasonable argument against that part. Um, but I certainly can understand where the idea comes from. It's it's a misnomer though, because the idea of like making this narrative direction like, oh, once they get married, they finally have their happily ever after. There's a lot of things in life a lot of stories in life where that's kind of the direction specifically like Disney movies and what and whatnot. But in comics, it's a long form narrative and in real life, which is a reminder for a lot of people when you are in a happy relationship or you get married or you get the dream job or you, you know get the championship or whatever life goes on. There is no right. happily ever after. That's the challenge of writing a story is that even though this goal was achieved, the story goes on like mm-hmm. I think of something like Dragon Ball where a big a, a, a big feeling of this climax is when they defeat Frieza you know there's all this redemption the universe is freed or whatever but the story went on because that's how life works the story keeps going on the story of human evolution and how society develops and culture progresses doesn't end I'm glad you brought up Dragon Ball because in Dragon Ball was actually supposed to end after the freeze. A few side, times. And they they forced Toriyama to continue. Um, so life does go on. That is that is absolutely correct. Um, but in the confines of the story that you're telling, well, that story has been told. Yeah. And so in a similar you can use you can use like Batman, right, as an example of well, why doesn't he just end crime? Why can't he ultimately succeed? Because that's the story. He can't, he can't win. Um, because he has to continue on. If Spider-Man were to eradicate crime in New York, well, then the story's over. And I think it's a similar logic point to that. That the hero can't succeed in an ultimate way. The relationship can't ultimately, you know, succeed. Because if that happened, then that's it. I think that's the logic. I'm not saying I necessarily 100% agree with that, but I think that's the logic. I think you're right, but I think to me, like it, the there's no better example than Spider-Man for why that's bullshit. Because like Spider-Man and Mary Jane were married for like what 20 years of publication history. Then what happened? And it didn't. S- then Joe Caseta <laughs> got divorced and was a bitter old man. Um, so it's just like that. The idea that, like, that aspect of the story ending means the end of the story is, like, what Phil said. It's a misnomer, right? Like, Spider-Man and Mary Jane can get married and then, like, okay, like, then there's a whole new set of problems that come up, right? Like, how does Peter balance being a good husband with being Spider-Man? How do they, like, you know, like like Kale said, how do they pay rent when he's got a shitty job and he's trying to like be out there being a vigilante. Like, you know, like those are all challenges that like aren't negated by the fact that he's married, you know? Cause then they were just like, Oh, now he's a bachelor, but he's still like in his thirties and dealing with those same problems. And it's just like, I don't see how him having a character to bounce off. That's like a support system or whatever, like makes it impossible to tell new stories. Right. And then you do run into the realm of being like, okay, like, they could have a kid, and then he's got to be a dad on top of all those other things. Like, there's there's layers that you can evolve a relationship over time to create new avenues to for you to explore with the character rather than 
being like, oh, we've hit this wall. We need to reset things. And, and I don't think either that like it's necessarily a endpoint. Like I don't think marriage is an endpoint because if you can you can break that down further into like he has to ask her out. That's an end goal, right? That succeeded. He has to go in for that first kiss. That's succeeded. Like you can you can make those the end goal the same way you make marriage an end goal. But if you are then equating it, it's just another step in a longer in a longer narrative that isn't ever an end goal. What what makes publishers so nervous about this stuff is it shows the age of their characters. Yep. Yep. That exactly. Yep. And when you make Spider-Man get married or have a child or anything like that, he's no longer out of high school. Mm-hmm. He's no longer. Like he's not anymore anyway. I, I, though, you know? I know, but my point is like, it's a reminder that Peter Parker is a man and not the same thing you see in Spider-Man homecoming. For instance, it's, it's, it's a reminder of the march of time goes on and publishers are afraid of that. Because they like to keep things in an absolute standstill. But you're saying so. You're saying that Peter Parker wouldn't have accidentally knocked somebody up and go on a shotgun wedding. Well, listen, we can't all be you, buddy. Mm, well, we can't. It's a shame. <laughs> um, oh, the other, the big thing I always draw back to with this kind of conversation is Batman, because you know by the time Grant Morrison's run was coming cl- close to an end, he had a fifth ward, and Nightwing's an adult he's doing his own shit uh jason is an adult doing his own shit god only knows what's going on to tim and he was an adult doing his own shit pretty much at that point at this point the new 52 rolls on and they want to scale everything back and make batman a young 20 something middle 20 something but you have all these supporting characters that people love and it's like how do you have your cake and eat it too I, I thought you were going to continue that one. Uh, <laughs> no, but yeah, to to solve that problem, they basically said, well, we don't care about continuity. We're going to do it anyway. And I don't know about you as, a, as another huge Batman fan, but that was actually really frustrating for me. It was very frustrating for a lot of the community members because they would come up with these kind of timelines where they try to make sense of how things happened and it, it just never fit. Right. And so that sort of takes us back into the conversation of, you know, they allow, we saw the experiment. We saw them, we saw DC take a character as far as they could, you know, um, at, at least at that point. Yes, he, he has many years to get older and whatnot, but up till that point, they had let the character progress and he was older and he had all these wards and he had everything. And um, we saw how much of a problem it was when they eventually wanted to sort of reboot the DCU, but also keep all the characters that they had introduced. It was a huge issue. Absolutely. Uh, it wasn't just an issue for Batman, but for large, for, for, for all intents and purposes, Batman was the biggest issue it was for. And right now, they're in a weird limbo spot where they're still trying to keep Batman kind of young. You know, he's had all this stuff going on with Selena Kyle. <laughs> but you look at characters like Tim Drake, who do not fit neatly in the narrative of the continuity at all anymore. So let's let's speaking on Batman, but shifting back to the main focus of the topic. Batman is probably the only, well, one of the only major uh, heroes that I can think of who you don't immediately associate with, uh, you know, a relationship. 
For sure. You don't think of you don't you don't think of Batman and immediately think of Selena Kyle or whoever. You just think of Batman. And maybe you think of Robin. How is it that Batman has been able to succeed and become basically the biggest comic book character ever, um, or at least in that conversation, without having a, a a partner? I think that's why. I mean, I think it's partly like the way that Batman is characterized. Like mm, Batman is yeah. characterized as like a loner, but he also has Robin to bounce off of, who's his son, you know? And like and then like, you know, take your pick for the nineteen other fucking kids that they've had him take under his wing. And then Alfred, who's like a father figure. So, like, he has a family. He has people that he cares about, even though if it's not a romantic love, you know? And I think that kind of works narratively because in I think in, in Batman's own mind, right, in Bruce's own mind, there's no space for someone like that in his life. But the thing that makes him work is that he does still have that vulnerability because even if there isn't space for you know, love in his life. He has lots of love in his life. Um, I think it's the type of story it's told, actually. So I think Batman is kind of like Goku in the sense that they both follow a flat character arc in that they have an, a universally accepted truth that they are progressing the story with. There is no character arc for them to have to be redeemed or, or grow or change so much, uh, whereas their supporting characters have things like that for for dragon ball it's characters like piccolo or vegeta or whomever they're the ones that are growing and changing and they're the ones that are the focal narrative point and batman it's the robins it's a lot uh, largely it's the antagonists you're following batman strictly a lot of the times for how the antagonists interact with batman in his life i think that's i think that's a fair point for sure um now here's one that i've been i've been kind of struggling with can you think of a, a major comic book character? And when I say major, let's assume like S tier, for example, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then A and whatever. So just S and, and A, I guess. A, a, a character sorry, who... Sorry, S tier. Oh, S tier like, is like... like b- bigger than A. Yeah, like the top, top, cream of the crop characters that that Batman, that Superman, etc. Right. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. All right. can, you, can you think of, of a character who goes in that tier who doesn't have a relationship, a romantic relationship that they're closely associated with or familial ties? And by familial ties, I also include, like in Wolverine's case, the X-Men. Like uh, uh, something that roots them to a team or something like that. Uh, an A-list character, S-tier character that does not have that. Well, I was going to say before the Avengers, the first thought I had was maybe Captain America. For while he was always an Avenger in the pop culture zeitgeist, I think he was less associated with the Avengers because they weren't as culturally familiar as they were with just Captain America, the character, who also was never super associated with a romantic love interest either. Yeah, like he's had love interests. He has close friendships, but I I think that's – you're kind of there. With with Cap, though, I think I think – your your example is good. My problem with Cap is that I don't know that he was ever as popular yeah. as those other characters. Right, exactly. And he wasn't popular until he became associated with the Avengers. Right, right. Well, and he, yeah, even still, you know, in the eighties, you had uh, Captain America and the Falcon. And so that oh, is, that's true. That itself that's a good makes, point. Uh, makes a familial unit. But my, 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 yeah, my, my, my comment on that is that he wasn't. I don't know if people knew who the Falcon was in the 80s. Even though there was comics being published and he was in the Avengers, like I said before. I, I'm just talking about to like a larger zeitgeist that sure. maybe doesn't read comics. Yeah. 
Yeah. But, I, but I think that, that makes Kale's point stand that one of the most popular eras of Captain America comics, he had a sidekick. Right. Um, And, and I, I think the, the only person who came to mind for me, and correct me if I'm wrong because I'm certainly not an expert on, on the character, but Punisher? I'm going back and forth with that too. I don't... I don't know because I don't know that he fits in the criteria. Right. He might, but... Uh, in in terms of the the tier bracket, I mean. So, yeah, but, what's a Punisher is uh, comparable to Batman in the sense that he's on a quest, he has a like a journey, but he's just not as popular to get saddled down with a bunch of supporting characters. Right. I, yeah, and I feel like his motivation is the loss of that familiar relationship. So, like, it's it's iffy to say if like that counts. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that it does, just because those characters aren't physically present. Um, the only character that I could think of that is in that pocket, sort of, especially at a particular time, um, is the Hulk. I was thinking the Hulk too, but you know what? He had, he does have those connections though, because like he had um, Betty. He has Betty, it? but what? But and also the that that the kid. Um, yeah, Cho, right? Rick. Rick, uh, Rick, oh, James. Rick Jones. Jones. Rick, Rick James. Yeah, Rick Jones. <laughs> Rick James. <laughs> the Hulk's best friend, Rick James. No, yeah, Rick Jones okay. was a sidekick for a long time. Sure, you know, but like those characters are like so. You go, um, Spider-Man, Mary Jane, Clark Kent, Lois Lane. You don't go Hulk. Sure. You know, Rick Jones, Rick Jones, right? Rick, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe if you're like a big fucking Hulk fan, you would. But I think you're right that on like a popular culture level. No. I don't think he had these relationships when he was most popular in the Incredible Hulk TV show in the 70s. That's, that's what I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, and in that show, he's very much like a Western hero where he just kind of rolls from town to town, right. like helping people out and then leaving. He's a Ronin. Yeah. Yeah, really, he is, though. Like, he fits that archetype in that show. What about, and I don't know if he fits criteria, but Silver Surfer? Yes. Yeah, that's a good example. It's a good example, except that I'm not sure how popular he is. He was right. I wouldn't scale. call him S tier. He was yeah. very, very popular in the 60s, but I don't think he ever uh, permeated like these other characters. But he was also another, another one of those Ronins, kind of. I feel like everybody knows the Silver Surfer, but I, I, I wouldn't call him... Like in popular. either tier, yeah. I, w- yeah. I wouldn't call him hyper-popular. What about Swamp Thing? <laughs> uh, no, he has Good question, a, Marco. Is this straight-ahead, like, relationship? Yeah, I think I think the fact remains that, like, even though we can think of examples, a lot of them have caveats where people tried to give them those things, or we had to scrape the barrel to think about them. Right, and... Hulk, Hulk is probably the only actually S-tier character on that list, and even he has relationships with other people. Yeah, and I think that that just illuminates how important those relationships are, um, whether they're familial or you know romantic. But I think, um, to me, the romantic ones are kind of the ones that that are more important in the, in, in regard to how it impacts the character's ability to be popular. Because um, I think two of them, like probably the two most popular characters. Would you guys say that? Superman and Spider-Man are the most popular comic book characters of all time. Oh, uh, Batman. Throw, yeah, you yeah. throw Batman in that conversation, and I'd say yes. So, but like top two, would you say that those are the top two? Bat. If you were, if you were gonna, I would say if you're gonna say just the top two, would, it's hard to say. I would say Superman. I'd Batman. say it's. 
I don't. I, I like, would say Batman and then Superman, and Spider-Man alternate out. Yeah, because like Superman has like had wanes in popularity in a way that I don't feel like Spider-Man really has. He has too. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I mean, go ahead. Yeah, he there's there like he has periods where he ebbs in and out. I I think Spider-Man never had the highs of Superman though, but like those are definitely the two. Like literally, no one else has except maybe Batman. Right. You yeah. Know? yeah. Because that's the thing, but it's like I feel like you you think about like every decade since Spider Man's inception, and he's been Marvel's most popular character, For sure. or has had a really relevant cultural adaption. Like in the seventies and eighties, he was the most popular Marvel character. In the nineties, he had several cartoons. In the two thousands, he had the most the like only successful superhero movie franchise. Like yeah, like I would say it's those three. Whether like. Who the two are depends on what decade you're talking about, I think. You know what's interesting is I see Batman on one end where he's oftentimes the perennial bachelor, not settled down by anyone. On the other end, we have Superman who is extremely monogamous. And Spider-Man's in the middle because because Spider-Man is a character, even though he's most associated with Mary Jane, throughout his history, it wasn't always that way. Because oftentimes it's like someone like Black Cat is there, or more, more prominently Gwen, Gwen Stacy. Yeah, Gwen Stacy. And we're seeing that right now. A lot of people are associating Spider-Man more with Gwen Stacy than Mary Jane right now because of the amazing Spider-Man movies, or the fact that in Spider-Man uh, Homecoming he doesn't really have a Gwen Stacy or Mary Jane. Like there, it's being it's Liz Allen. <laughs> it's being destabilized a little bit. So Spider-Man has that Archie dynamic where it's like him and several love interest options yeah i think spider-man has more like relevant notable love interests than probably any other like major superhero you know because like i think just those three that you mentioned are like the trinity of like these are peter parker's like great loves but then he's also had like liz allen and like um betty 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 brant betty brant Brant and you know, like, there's plenty of other characters who he did. And then, like, in the Dan Slot era, the, like, three or four characters that never really stuck, like... Yeah, Carly Cooper. I think he dated Captain Marvel at one point. Or they yes. went on a date. Yeah. They, they, they actually lived together for a little bit. What? And then Ultimate, Ultimate Peter had Kitty Pride yeah. for a while. Like, we can't really? That yeah. was a relationship? Yeah. Yeah, dog. Yeah. Yo, I'm there for that. Uh, Sick couple. We can't, uh, we also can't forget Johnny Storm. Right. Perennial yeah. Spider-Man boyfriend or oh, the yeah. lizard. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Relax. I, I was going to give you Johnny Storm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I, I think Peter's actually, except for, I mean, actually not even except for, I would say Peter, uh, Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne all also have an example of like, they have probably the most flesh at, fleshed out group of characters around them. Where, like, you can name, like, like I could name 30 relevant supporting characters very quickly, you know, across them. And like, in don't. terms of, like, no. <laughs> there we go. Um, don't put me on the spot. Five and, 30 and five. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. No, go ahead. Guys. Sean, was, was there a point to what you were going to say about the, the ranking or... Yes, there was. Uh, Oh, we got real sidetracked on that. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, All all I was going to say was, you know, at least in the case of Superman and and Spider-Man, that when you talk about those characters, 
um, especially in the case of Superman, at some point you really can't talk about them without talking about the their significant other, you know. And I think that that has elevated those characters above the rest of everybody else. And then, of course, Batman is there too. Um, and I think that th- I think that that's a big, big reason why. And I just love the fact that even in a medium where you know, we've always talked about, oh, it's a boys club, oh, it's, you know, whatever, um, that, that, that love, um, elevates these, these heroic men, these, these characters that we know and love, that, 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 that they, that they are in love makes them more than they are. The moment I always think about from Infinite Crisis, the moment I always remember best is when Earth 2 Superman sacrifices himself and in his dying, he says, it's okay. I'm going to be reunited with Lois in a second. And there's that panel where you see the stars in the sky and you see the retro, you know, 1940s looking Superman Lois just in the skyline because that's what it is. It's a cosmic kind of, you know, uh, constellation-esque relationship. Mm. I I, I want to present a different angle on that conversation, if I can. Sure. Um, what about Wonder Woman? Interesting. Yep. Um, Wait, what do you mean? Well, so Wonder Woman was originally found, uh, you know, in the mythology. It was originally the the uh, the island was originally found by Steve Trevor, and he brings her to, um, you know, the man's world or whatever. But she's never actually. I, I, th- I'm, I'm. You don't really connect her with Steve Trevor. I think you do now after the movie and and even the new Fifty Two. Um, some, you know, they tried to pair her up with Superman. She's even been paired right. with Batman to different degrees. But I, I mean, I would say up until the movie, and even still, I think you probably wouldn't put her up there with uh, Superman, Spider-Man, or Batman in that same conversation, in that same way. I think that's part of the reason why you don't have that association, because I think if you were somebody who was like watching TV when the Wonder Woman show was relevant, you would know who Steve Trevor was as a character. Um, but I, I do think that like Wonder Woman's never been that relevant and i made that case when you're talking about wonder woman going into the wonder woman movie is that she's not a character who has the same like like i think her cultural impact especially like pre the modern era where there's been a resurgence in popularity for her and an increased relevance i think it was very much her as a symbol for like feminism and like the ideals that she represented more so than her as a character and I think that's partly be- for reasons I've discussed on the previous episodes. I think that's because her lore is so like her origin was like ill-defined. It was very tied up in like Greek mythology and all this like stuff that's less like grounded than like Batman or Superman. So you're saying that her recognition is her iconography more so than hers in her books. Yeah, I think so. And I think like the characteristics that you associate with her character, like um that thing like that the idea of her being a person who's more willing to outstretch a hand than a fist right like i think those are the things you think of when you think of wonder woman less her and her supporting characters and like 
because I because I think it is a little more nebulous. I think that the Wonder Woman example, and then I I think you just throw in uh, Captain Marvel as well because you know they're they're Marvel and DC's biggest female characters. Um, sure, arguably, and, yeah, yeah. And the fact that they don't have those kind of ties and their supporting cast in general isn't great. Or not, I shouldn't say not great, but like not popular and not really, you know, well defined. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons why they're not more popular. But to that point, my question is, and this is probably my last thought on the subject, is could it we ever accept a world in which Wonder Woman, Captain Marvel, Storm, whoever else other than Jean Grey can be a massive AS tier character and have a relationship. Let's let's for the sake of this particular argument, let's just stick with this relationship with a man. So I think I think one of the problems for that too is I, I do think it plays into like male power fantasy. Yes. Where I think a lot of the reasons that like those relationships work is because like I think like Lois is a great example, right? Where like Lois Lane is a very strong character in terms of the fact that she's like she's often not portrayed as helpless. You know, she's like very intelligent and she covers bases that Superman doesn't. So she's a strong partner for him, um, but she's also not physically strong. You know, like, I think, like, Steve Trevor, for example, like, Steve Trevor is a soldier. He had, like, his own adventures and his own strengths and stuff. And I think that is something that does create that divide, you know? And I think a lot of female characters, and this is a, a big, big problem in comics, even leading female characters, like, sometimes feel like they get bogged down by relationships because they're not as well developed or because of the roles that women are placed in you know like we mentioned scott and Jean, right like they're like kind of unique because they're both like big characters whereas most of these other characters have supporting characters and i don't think that i don't know i don't know what the block is, but I feel like maybe there's a thing where like male readers didn't want to see female characters with vulnerable men supporting them. I so Sean, you you said uh, Storm in my mind immediately went to Forge and like that relationship. Oh, interesting. And like mm. sure in in that scenario though, I felt like there was very much equal footing there. One in the sense because Storm had recently just lost her powers and Forge was sort of there in like a. Uh, like a help from a helping capacity but that never necessarily put her in a position where she was ever weaker or diminished as a character um if anything she comes back from that after forge is sort of turned into like uh, after it's sort of revealed that you know he has ulterior motives and where she comes out on the sort of on top or at least they've uh hit like uh, what is it they, they've hit like a an equal footing in terms of their power struggle um just an aside that i had that i had thought of but like it, it, that was sort of one of the relationships where i was just like but this is one of those examples where a character can exist and in in a relationship and still be the character that she is defined as i think it's really interesting that you went to storm and forge 
because even though I think that's the more enduring relationship, you're absolutely right. Um, and it's probably the one that had more impact on her as a character. Mm. Her and Black Panther is the relationship that you would more like that generally people would 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 go to. And that relationship to me is really interesting because it didn't last very long. It wasn't particularly successful. Um, Which is weird because I think it should have been. Yeah. So there's – I think – when we're talking about this this subject of women being the primary character, right? So the leading character and having you know a relationship that supplements them. The, the problem that I see and the reason why I don't think it's ever really worked – is simple. Whenever, not every man, obviously, but when a man knows that a woman is in a relationship, a lot of times she's less, um, you, you, they may like her less. So, like, for example, Wonder Woman is yeah. this, you know, sexy, strong, powerful character and in, on some level, I think what plays into what makes men like her is the idea – I mean, maybe not her, but like let's use a real-life woman. What plays into the idea of you liking her so much is that you could have her. But once she is with someone, that option is out the window, and that can no longer happen. So so if you put yourself in the mind of, of someone who's thinking like that, you like Batman or you like Spider-Man or Superman, and you're like, man, I could be him. Right. I could be Superman. I could have Lois Lane. If you're putting yourself in the mind of someone who's reading Wonder Woman from that same perspective, I could have Wonder Woman. I could be her partner. I could be her. Oh, she's with Steve Trevor. She's married to Steve Trevor. Pass. I don't like her anymore. That's what I think. Go ahead, Marco. Sorry. No, finish your thought. That's what I think plays into why those characters aren't able to have sustainable relationships and the difference between and and that's also the reason why i think storm and black panther didn't work because storm at that time was more way more popular than black panther was um and no one could accept that she was his queen right but in the case of cyclops and jean gray they've always been equals they were introduced that way and because that's always been the status quo you can't separate them from each other that's my feeling on the subject, but I'm really interested in hearing what you guys think, and then we'll wrap up. I think there's a lot of merit to that idea. I think it, it very much uh, plays into the the point I made before about like the male gaziness of it, and I, I, I think there is a lot of validity to that because I think, to your point, right, um, when men read male characters, they project themselves onto those characters, you know, and I don't think that they – I don't I, and I won't say no men, but I think a lot of like, you know um, – a lot of men don't do that with female characters. And I think, I think that there's, yeah, I, I definitely think that's a big part of it is that if they're in a stable relationship that somehow like makes them less like sexy, you know? And for a long time, the most important thing a female character could be was in comics was sexy, mm. you know? Right. And I, I think, I think that is why that there aren't a lot of those same examples. Um, Phil, does Hellboy have a relationship? No. Um, yes. Not, yeah, but like, it's it's always strained. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I wonder uh, if you can imagine why. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, so, any other thoughts before we uh, jump out of here? I, well, remember when we? I was just gonna answer Marco's question. Do you remember the other the the, the primary female character in the bo- in the Hellboy book we read, Marco? Yeah, that's Liz. Uh, Liz, yes, that's often the subject of his affection. Oh, okay. I think I I think he was also attached to. Uh, I think her name is Kate. She shows up a little bit later. I probably haven't gotten there yet. Um. I, I wanted to bring up um, on on the Wonder Woman angle. I don't think you can realistically have a a Wonder Woman story sort of in that same vein without introducing uh, a female love interest. Um, I think I think the part that sort of glossed over often especially when you talk about the the love interest with wonder woman is the fact that she was born in a society of women and arguably you know a society of women who loved women right um and i think i think to to really make you know make the the love angle a a really legitimate uh part of that character i think you really do have to explore that angle in some form or fashion whether it ends that way or not i think you you do have to take a serious look at it my issue with the framing of this specific conversation is we're talking about it from the perspective of a male reader who doesn't want to read these books with female povs because if they get married or in a relationship it makes them less the object of affection. And maybe historically that's true, but I think that speaks to the larger issue of getting female readers to read comic books published by the big two. Because, well, I, I, go ahead. I, I was going to say, for me, the, the larger takeaway was a recontextualization of the way that we view the male character. If, if, if it is a... Or if it is sort of the perspective of, oh, because this person is in a relationship, it diminishes the fact. It, it, it feels like it diminishes them as as a human when we say, oh, this person is no longer as interesting. And that is sort of the framing that has to be changed in the way that it's being perceived. A recontextualization of the female character, you mean? Of, well, of the way that a male would consider a female character just based off of whether or not she's in a relationship. I think that that's a that's a very great ideal, but we're dealing with the facts as they are, right? With right. The world no, as totally, is. totally. And I think when you, it, 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 so what Kale said about Wonder Woman and having to address the fact that she's you know bisexual or whatever, whatever words appropriate. The problem with that. Is there's nothing like there's nothing controversial about a man loving a woman, right? From the perspective of there's a male superhero who loves a woman. Spider Man loves Mary Jane. Nothing controversial. Nobody's gonna say boo about that. As soon as you make the character a woman, all of a sudden now there are, there are problems, right? As soon as the main the main character is a woman, now there are immediate problems. Um, people are gonna judge every single aspect of whatever relationship she's in 
because that's what happens. And then on top of that, because these comic books are being written primarily for men, you're going to have people who don't want to read them because she's no longer attainable and that removes an element of her sexiness. Then... If you go further than that and then make her in a relationship with a woman, now you're introducing a whole other problem because uh, um, anything other than heterosexuality is still controversial in America. So that would – as much as I hate to say this and please understand this is not what I want, right? I think that actually makes her a less popular character than it would – if you played it straight. And I think that's exactly why Steve Trevor was the love interest chosen. And they never acknowledged what you brought up in the Wonder Woman movie. As progressive, quote unquote, as it was supposed to be. Well, and, and I think to the to both the point that you just made, Sean, and the point that Phil made, we're not saying that that's like, this is how it should be right. or anything like that. It's like, and we are talking about through history, right? These characters have such longevity that like, a lot of the, like, the Superman-Lois relationship was defined decades ago, you know? So, like, we're talking right now about these female characters in 2019 in a world that is aimed more at trying to get women to read comics and to have more representation. So while those things might be options now, historically they were not. And that's why I think we're at where we're at. And, and God, that's such a great point. And on top of that, for a character like Wonder Woman, it's almost like you're starting from zero. Because she's, she's better suited for the world as it is today. But the fact is that she was created, whatever, 50 years ago or and, however long. And you know what? The thing is, anytime you put her in a progressive type relationship, it makes people angry. I think of Wonder Woman Earth 1 when they made Steve Trevor Black. And so many people were upset by that. Yeah. And Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel, as they are today, represent the differences in comics more than any other characters that I can really think of. Um, with few exceptions like Miles Morales and Ms. Marvel, um, Kamala Khan. And that's always going to be a problem for the primary consumers of comic books. So the question is, how far can you really go and make this character more popular um, within the confines of a world in, in comics and then outside of that in pop culture that's not ready to accept what those characters are supposed to be and represent? It's a big question. And I think for me, I, I wouldn't say that it will always be that no. way. But I think that uh, we're still like – I think the comic book industry is in a weird place because I think publishers and creators are ready to move the medium forward and be less bogged down by a lot of those sorts of like boys club standards that we've lived by. But a lot of the readers aren't. Yeah. yeah I would say, and yeah, you, I would argue the creators probably are. I don't know about the publishers, but I think, yeah, I think that, I mean, yeah, the, the publishers definitely are dude. Like, I, I don't even think you can make that argument. Like, I think like r- regardless of like what your, um, like what your take on it is. Cause like, I think a lot of people look at, characters like miles and kamala as progressive right. and a lot of people look that look at them as wokeonomics that they're pandering that they're trying to buy into the times that they're not substantive and i think that there's an equal argument to be made in terms of like yes the creators have that desire to actually make these characters and that the companies have a desire to cash in exactly because 
Miles and Kamala have made a lot of fucking money. From a business perspective, that's like the new audience that they would that is like quote like quote untapped. That's yeah, that's who they want to court, the untapped market of women and minorities. Right. Yeah. You know? Now what's what's really remarkable, and we talked about these S tier characters, is somehow Garfield has never had a real love interest. <laughs> Alright. Thank you. I hate you so fucking much. You know, so, Phil, like sometimes it's like it's funny and then you make <laughs> a good point, and then I'm just mad that it's actually a good point. But what about normal? Normal's his cousin about we or some end shit. the show because now so. we're just having such a good, thoughtful discussion, yeah. and then Phil just fucking takes a shit all over it. <laughs> That's this my com- job, Phil. This conversation went far beyond where I thought it would, but I'm really glad we had it, and uh, hopefully you people at, at home enjoyed it as well. I'd love to hear your thoughts about this, especially the angle of you know how does how do you address this when you talk about Wonder Woman, Captain Marvel, Storm, etc. Um, and there are plenty of ways that you can reach out to us. Uh, you can get us on social media at the Comics Pals. You can write to us at the Comics Pals at gmail.com. You can leave us a comment on YouTube while you're there. Drop us a like, share the video with your friends, and subscribe to our channel for more awesome content. And also, also while you're there, go check out our top five couples in comics video because that was really good. Group effort. And I think we had a really good time with it. And you guys at the time expressed that you enjoyed it. So if you haven't checked that out, go give it a watch. Let's do some plugs. Pete. Thank you guys so much for joining us here in another episode of the Comics Pals. If you want to connect with me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. You can catch me on our sister show, The Video Game Pals, along with Sean, where we talk about video games, as you might have guessed. And if that's not enough video game content for me, you can go catch my work over at LootPots.com, where I contribute uh, articles. I host their weekly Nintendo podcast, The Potscast, and uh, I'm going to be doing some Twitch stuff with them uh, coming up. So if you want to come along for that ride, I'd appreciate it. Awesome. Kale. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto Into. That's T O T O I N T O W. And panels publishing. <laughs> He's getting worse and worse at plugging panels. <laughs> Marco. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Marco Enomoto. Uh I am reading JSA and I'm loving it. Are you so really reading nice. it? Nice. Yeah, dude. It's been uh, it's really where, cool. Marco hates superheroes. My dog. You guys. Where did you? Where do you think that long ass conversation? came from i thought it was him wa- i thought it was him wanting to read it i didn't know he actually started no i was oh yeah i'm in the middle of it i'm like i'm halfway through book one a little more than halfway actually well, shit. Uh, and it's it's cool shit i like that a lot talk to me talk to me about it please phil you can follow me on social media platforms at cyborg bebop where currently i have 175 corporations blocked on my twitter <laughs> <laughs> And as for me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram only, at Sean Soapbox. Hit me up to talk about why, of all the characters that we just talked about, Jean Grey is the absolute best. And also, my Valentine this year. Oh. How's Rebecca feel about that? With that, we're the Comics (laughs) Files signing (laughs) off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Bye. I I love the part in the trailer where Garfield stands up to Thanos and says, you took my lasagna away. Now I'm going to take you away. Oh, Nermal's a boy. (laughs) 